Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, January 30th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. We've got no guests. We have no themes. It's all about what you want to talk about today. The phone lines are open, so dial us up and join us. 855-950-3835. Calls are starting to come in already, so line them up. I'll get to them in just a couple of minutes. I do have, I said I didn't have a theme, and I really don't, but I have something I want to talk about today. It's probably something we're going to be talking about a lot, and I think it's just now getting started. We are at the very, very beginning of what I think, um, and, and not just I think, a lot of people believe, we're on the, the very verge of the next big tech revolution. And it's not really being talked about much. We've talked about it a little bit, but I, uh, I've been, I made a note probably, oh, I don't know, two years ago, I was looking at some of my list and I, I had written a note that I should start researching this topic. And I check in on that once in a while. I haven't done a lot of work on it. And then this morning I was scrolling headlines and I was, I clearly saw the pattern this morning that this topic is in the news, not big news, but it's in the news all over, like lots of different people talking about this, not really the mainstream media or typical news. But if you read industry news, you're going to find a lot of references to this topic. The topic is artificial intelligence. One of the reasons it's being talked about a lot now, artificial intelligence has been been worked on for decades. Uh, There's been some pretty interesting breakthroughs. Um, You know, think of of technologies that have gotten so much better over the last, say, 10 years. Um, Voice recognition, computer voice recognition has gotten incredibly better. I was trying to use computer voice recognition about 15 years ago, and it was a horribly frustrating experience wasn't very accurate at all. You had to spend hours training the software to recognize your voice and the way you said things. Today, computer voice recognition is light years ahead of where it was just 10 years ago. That's why we now have um, voice assistants that are so accurate, things like Alexa and Siri, and you just ask your phone or your speaker questions and it answers them. But that's that's really just kind of a voice-activated search engine is all that is. A search engine being like Google and DuckDuckGo, and that's how we find all this information on the internet. You know, one of the things that people have said over the years, because I sell information, I I sell advice and courses and books, and a lot of people have said, why would we spend $200 on your book on how to become an owner-operator? Everything in it is on the internet. Uh. That, that's only sort of true. 
There's a lot of what's in a, a book like mine or a course like mine. Yeah, a lot of that information is on the internet. Trying to find it and figure out if it's right or not is a big challenge. But even beyond that, there is a lot in that book that is absolutely original, stuff you will not find anywhere else on the internet. But people truly believe that what they can find on the internet is just as valuable. So why would I pay for your book or your program or your course? This takes that whole concept to the next level in that artificial intelligence and and the program that just got released a month or so ago um, and is is it's what everybody's talking about it's called chat GPT and it's an artificial intelligence chat bot so it's like a like a chat window you can go sign up for it now it's free um, chat GPT and you type in a request similar to a search, and it brings back results. Here's the difference. It does use the internet as a source of information, but it doesn't just bring you back links. It, it takes the information and writes an answer that is original, So it is going to use a lot of information that's out there on the internet, but it will not just copy and paste something and say, here is the answer. And I know that for sure because I've checked it many, many times. So I've used, I've been playing around with chat GPT. And when I get a response, I copy it. And I have a program that we use because we create a lot of content. When I write something, you know, occasionally I have, I've been gathering data and writing things for a couple decades. So a lot of times I'll go back and reuse a piece from something else that I wrote a long time ago. Occasionally I have inadvertently copied and pasted something that was technically plagiarism. I didn't write it. It wasn't original. And we're pretty careful about that. I don't want to do that. So I actually have a program that can check that. You take a paragraph, you copy it, you paste it in this program. It searches every page on the internet, billions and billions of pages. And will tell you, is that somewhere else on the internet? Was this just copied and pasted or was it original? So I run all the answers from ChatGPT through that program. They're all original. It's not copying anything. There's so much to talk about on this topic. We're going to be talking about this a lot. You know, one of the things that I I try to do, I've always tried to do this, is I've tried to stay ahead of what's happening. You know, I don't want to get so deep into what's going on today that I forget part of business is knowing what's coming. Look, being able to look around the corner and say, what's what's what should we be prepared for? And I can tell you as a business owner, any kind of a business owner, um, you should be aware of what's coming. But I think it's more important to be aware as a consumer. So I, I could see we, we are already starting to use it somewhat. Um, Chat GPT could become a pretty useful tool for content creators right now. Here's a 
just a quick example. I was playing around this with this um, quite a bit this morning. Um, let me see if I can find that example. Yeah, so here's a really simple paragraph and just a quick example, nothing in depth of how I'll be able to use this as a content creator or, or, or a writer. It's a pretty powerful tool for me because I hate to write. I have lots of ideas in my head. I'd much rather talk about them than write them. But, you know, when you talk about them, once I say it, if you didn't hear it, it's gone. Well, we have a recording. It's hard to find things in audio recordings. We're actually working on technology to make that better too. But here's just a simple question that I asked ChatGPT. I, I asked it. So I started thinking about what are the kind of questions people ask me? Could ChatGPT replace me? Because that's what I do. I answer questions. That's what ChatGPT does. It answers questions and it creates stuff. So I just asked the question, can I make more money as an employee or an independent contractor? What's it going to say to that? Here's its answer. As an independent contractor, you have the potential to make more money because you have control over your rates and work schedule. However, you also have more expenses such as self-employment tax and health insurance. As an employee, you may receive benefits, a steady income, and job security, but you may have less control over your earnings. The choice between employee and independent contractor depends on your personal preferences and financial situation. That is completely original text that has never been typed on the internet before. I checked it multiple times. So the, the artificial intelligence wrote that. Nobody else has written that exact paragraph, not on the internet. That's a really good paragraph. I also run it through a program that I have called Grammarly that checks punctuation, spelling, even, even writing style. You know, it might make recommendations on that's, that's uh, you know, this would be a better way to say this if this is a business document. So I'm running this through Grammarly. It's virtually perfect. I, very seldom does Grammarly make any corrections or recommendations. So this AI is really good at writing, um, correct grammar, punctuation, writing style. Now, you may think, well, okay, so it wrote a paragraph. Well, it would, it, this is not an exaggeration. If I were to write this paragraph, if I were doing a chapter in a course or a book on should I become an independent contractor or not, this is a great paragraph to start with. It's pretty generic. There's nothing specific in there, but it's a really well-written paragraph. And it would be a whole lot easier for me to just do that. Ask the question. I can now copy and paste this. That's not plagiarism because this is how this program is designed to work. This is what it's for. If I go in and ask it that question again, and I just change a couple things, I'll get a completely new answer. So for content creators, this could be a real shortcut. You know, if, if I'm writing a paragraph on something, about 80% of what I write is going to be pretty generic. 
if I explain how an independent contractor works, well, 10 other people could write an article about that. It's going to be very, very similar. Now, the other 20% of my writing is going to be very specific and proprietary to me. That's what makes my information valuable. But for me right now, I'm looking at this saying, well, this could be a pretty darn nice business tool for us. Could save me a lot of time. It's better than having like a, a, you know, a writer here, a human being that I'd have to pay to do all this. Uh, I ran several other, in fact, lots and lots of other questions through there. You get some pretty interesting. And again, it's, it's mostly... Um, <sighs> I want to say kind of generic, but it's, it's good information and it's presented and written well. So again, I think the value right now in this is more for the creators than anything else. I think the, the risk here, the thing I'm trying to make people aware of is this is going to be used a lot. And we have this new category um, called influencers influencers. That's like a big thing. This this generation coming up right now, that's what they want to be. I mean, we have, you know, 17-year-olds that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month because they're influencers on things like TikTok and Instagram. And that has become a pretty big thing. We have a lot of people chasing it. There aren't that many people really making those kinds of... Uh, of numbers, though. It's almost, being an influencer today, it's almost like being a professional athlete. If you can make it there, pays pretty well. The odds of making it there are pretty slim. And, and that's where we are on influencers today. We have an awful lot of people trying it. More importantly, we have a lot of people listening to these influencers. Let's take something really generic that doesn't, um, it, it's not really technical, um, it, and this is just one I see a lot of as far as influencers, especially with the younger generation and, and women, uh, influencers that uh, talk about makeup and fashion. Well, makeup and fashion is in no way technical. It is completely opinion driven. There's nothing technical about fashion, what somebody should wear or what color eyeshadow they should use. That is completely 100% opinion. It's just what somebody likes. Well, if that's what you're an influencer in, chat GPT could probably kick your ass all day long. Where, where is, you know, there is no right or wrong in something like this. So you're going to see a lot of information and advice that looks like it's coming from humans, but is probably coming from one of these AI programs. It's going to be even more important to make sure if you're getting advice from somebody, whether it's money, health, business, relationships, whatever, jobs, careers, real estate, if you're getting advice from somebody, you're going to have to really make sure that somebody knows what they're talking about. They're not just using, they haven't gotten just really good at using a program like this. You know, I asked it specific questions like, um, 
is it better to be, uh, is this a good time to start a business or, or things like that? You get some, like I say, they're, they're, um, they're interesting answers. They're very, very well written. But if you look at them, though, they are pretty generic. Um, well, listen to this. Somebody even thought to ask, I, it can also talk about itself. I asked ChatGPT to write an article about ChatGPT. This is just the beginning of the article. The thing got really long. Um, ChatGPT is a language model that can generate human-like text in a conversational context, but it is not capable of creating original content or making editorial decisions like human writers and editors can. While ChatGPT can be a useful tool, it is limited to generating text based on patterns learned from its training data and cannot replicate the creativity and skill of human writers and editors. That's a really, really accurate paragraph. Very well written, no grammatical errors whatsoever, and very accurate, but generic. And it even said that's what you're going to get from ChatGPT. You know, I want to say it's like the next level of search, but that doesn't do it justice. It's so much more than that. Again, for consumers... It's going to look like the next level of search. But for businesses and content creators, it could be far, far more powerful than that. And, and again, you just need to be aware that this is out there. Um, here's another way. Uh, let, me, let me go find this was a two-part. Um. Here's something that got a little more specific. Here's the question. Can you please answer? Can you explain your approach to talent acquisition and how it has contributed to the success of previous organizations you've worked with as if you were a senior recruiter? That is a really, really specific question. So here's the answer that this came up with, part of it. As a senior recruiter, my approach to talent acquisition is centered around identifying and attracting the best candidates for the company. This includes a combination of proactive sourcing, networking, and building strong relationships with both candidates and hiring managers. I use a variety of recruiting tools and platforms to advertise job openings and reach out to potential candidates. I also actively network with industry professionals and attend job fairs and other events to expand my pool of potential candidates. One key aspect of my approach is to fully understand the needs and requirements of the hiring manager in the company. I work closely with the hiring managers to understand their specific needs and tailor my recruiting efforts to find the best fit for the position. (laughs) That was written not by a human being. That was written by a piece of software. Excellent writing. Not a single grammatical error. Very clear. Very easy to understand. Correct information just very generic. And that's where the problem is going to come in. I I could go on and on and on about this. Like I said, I've been uh, meaning to do a show and I saw the headlines today. Um, I thought I'd just jump in. Um, 
you know, I, I, I asked it when I, I search for info for things like succeeding as an owner operator. Again, I started asking it questions that people ask me and it's in some ways it's hard to criticize its answers. They're not incorrect. They're just very, very generic. I asked it a question, would you be healthier as an, as a vegan or a carnivore? Its answer was you could be healthy at both. And then it went on to talk about things like nutrient density and, and it was good information. Very generic, but nothing was incorrect about it. And like I said, very well written and easy to understand. This is going to start exploding around us. We are clearly at the tipping point now. Chat GPT is just one company's version of this. Companies like Google and Meta and everybody in tech is working on some form of artificial intelligence. Now, here's another issue. We could go, it, when Google finishes their chat bot, we could go ask it the same question. You're going to get a different answer. Just like if you ask two influencers today, you're going to get a different answer. The challenge comes from how do you know which one is right? That's the problem with doing Google searches, period, or internet searches. There's lots of information out there. How do you know it's right? The more complicated your question or problem is, the less likely you're going to be able to find an answer in a typical search. But you may be able to find some answers in this artificial intelligence. We're so early into this that we don't even know what we don't know yet. I mean, I, I came up with all kinds of questions and issues and things we should be paying attention to. And I've read a lot of articles about it already. And yet, um, I have no idea where this is going to go. Here's one of the things I'm thinking about. You know, we've been focused on robots and machines taking over physical tasks. Um, you know, look at jobs that used to be big machinists. There aren't many machinists anymore. Our machines became so smart. They didn't need somebody there to do the work. They just need somebody to stand there and press buttons once in a while. Lots of jobs have been replaced by machines forever. I mean, go back to farming. Originally we did it with, you know, humans and animals. Well, then a machine took over. Now those were just dumb machines, but they still could do a lot more physical work than a human being could ever do. In a lot of ways, we looked at that as a good thing. There's so much more efficient. A, a backhoe can dig way faster, you know, than a hundred human beings could. Well, now we have to look at the fact that it's very, very possible that this artificial intelligence is going to start taking jobs that require humans to think, not just do physical labor. I, I don't know who's going to be replaced first, but I'm going to start paying attention and try to figure out who it is. And at some point, you have to start thinking what jobs are going to be left for humans to do. And is that a world we want to live in? I'm not so sure. Everybody would say, oh, well, what if, what if machines and computers and they could just do all the work and we all get to just 
have leisure time. I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to get your head around this. Here's something else that's, that's we really have to think about with this issue. Right now, you can take really, really complicated tasks, and if you put enough effort into programming a computer or a machine, they can do that task better than human beings. There's millions of examples of that. Just think about something as simple as a pocket calculator. It does math way better than humans can. But the, the big difference between that and what we're talking about now, take the most complicated thing we've ever programmed a computer to do. Once it's programmed, it can do that task over and over and over, and it will do it perfectly every time. That's the power of computers. But it will never do that task differently. It can't. It was programmed to do something very specific. Now, really the most complicated thing we've ever attempted to teach a computer to do is what I'm talking about right now. The most complicated thing we've ever tried to program a computer to do is to think. That's what artificial intelligence is. The scary part about this, if I program this computer, this artificial intelligence machine or device or whatever it is, this, is, this technology is going to be built into all kinds of things. Now, the, the difference in this technology is that it learns it will take a task and it will accomplish that task and then it can review its task and go check new information and say, wait a minute, there's a better way to do this and it will learn the better way. That's scary. When does it stop learning? There's really a, a lot to unpack on this topic. Um, I, I'm going to continue, obviously, reading about this. I think everybody will be. This is, this is going to become a pretty big uh, issue, I believe. For right now, we're going to jump into the phone calls. Jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. We're going to get started in New Mexico today. Nathan, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, good to talk with you again. I got you that uh, oil sample there to look at. It shows some oxidization. And one of your thoughts on that, and I got a couple other questions for you. Yeah, so um, oxidation, I don't get too worried about. I'm missing a lot of information on the soil sample. What, kind of, what engine is this? That's a D13, 2016, 843,000 miles. Okay. So uh, let me look at the rest of the sample here. Uh, using the catalyst? Yes. Okay. So that's why we have some iron there. Uh, where metals look okay. Aluminum's a little high. It's probably just some upper cylinder stuff. That many miles, that's not unusual. Uh, fuel dilutions, nothing to be concerned about. You know, when we see oxidation, we look to see if it's causing other issues. And yours isn't. Mm -hmm. um, all it takes is a hot spot in the engine somewhere that we keep overheating that oil, and that can cause oxidation. But 
oxidation in and of itself doesn't really cause any problems in the oil. It's just an indicator for us that something's going wrong. If oil's oxidized over long periods of time, then usually I'll say, well, let's just get it out of there and start over. But we have some engines that will just keep oxidating oil. And, and it's, the ISX is probably the, the worst for this. The ISX has hot spots and um, we see oxidation a lot. In your case right now, it's nothing to worry about. Okay, I just keep an eye on it. Yep, yep, that's all um, I I'll do. I'll try and do uh, oil samples every time I change the oil. Cool, and um, uh, if I got to uh, overhaul the engine, do an in-frame or whatnot, is it possible to just change this from a dual uh, fuel rail to a single? No. It, it, let me rephrase okay. that. Of course it's possible. Almost anything's possible. Is it practical is a much better question. And it's just not practical, no. Okay. Um, so I get uh, about six and a half miles per gallon right now. Well, well first I, of all, why, why, I can to get. It, why would we think that changing the design of the entire fuel delivery system in an engine would improve fuel economy? Uh, just a theory that I had that when the engines went from that and comparing to uh, the company truck I was driving the same year, of course, it was a Freightliner um, getting better fuel mileage. Well, well, hold, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. That's re- I, I want to help your thinking here. That is really dangerous thinking. Nothing wrong with being creative, but... First off, we could spend tens and tens of thousands of dollars trying to redesign an engine's fuel delivery system. I can't even imagine how we would go about it. We'd have to manufacture parts. And um, just to say, I think a single fuel delivery system is better would be me like saying, it, seriously, it would be like me going through our fuel gauges, $100,000 or 100,000 trucks that are in there and saying, look, I did all the research. Yellow trucks get better fuel economy every time. Well, that's not logical. Mm-hmm. I, there may be data that would prove that, but that's what we call correlation, not causation. So... When you just tried to compare this truck, you said there's this other truck that's similar. I forget what words you used. If that other truck isn't similar at all, it's a different manufacturer. It's a different engine. It's different gears. It's a different transmission. It's different tires. It's a different driver. It's different freight. It's different trailers. It's different days. It's different weather. It's different temperatures and speed and terrain. And I have identified over 80 things that can affect fuel economy, over 80 and just to randomly say that truck had this fuel system and this so that must get better fuel economy not not even close okay that's understandable yeah so so never those kinds of comparisons are really really dangerous it's almost impossible even if we take two trucks build them exactly the same not one thing different we put them both on the road. Are they going to get the exact same fuel economy? Uh, no. Hell no. Not even close. 
because we don't know what kind of trailer they're going to be pulling, who's going to be driving them, what freight, what, what all those things I talked about change every single day. So you can't just make those okay. comparisons like that. You, you have to look at the physics of fuel economy. And, and I, I, I don't want to stop you thinking from that way, being creative and trying to think. And, and come, I, I love when people think that way. Just be careful of your conclusions. You know, you, it, you know, there's been all this talk the last couple of years about science. What's the science? Is there any proof? Well, the way science works is, is when somebody has a theory, you had a theory. I think that because of my experience, I think engines with this single rail fuel system are more efficient. That's a theory. Nothing wrong with that. That's how we learn new stuff. The problem comes in in trying to prove your theory would be outrageously expensive. Some theories are much, much easier to prove. This would be a really difficult thing to prove because of all the cost it would take to, to create that new fuel system for a truck. Yeah. So with that, then I've got the, uh, the air filter in there. I use the catalyst. Um, of course, right now I've slowed down because I'm having DTS issues. To 65 from 70. Um, part of, part of the reason part, part of the reason you're having emission issues is because you were driving faster. The specs on this truck are wrong. 70, yeah. What what was your RPM at 70? Yeah. Uh, 1425. It's got 308 rears. Yeah, the problem is you're not keeping enough heat in the engine. If we could drop those RPMs okay. about 200, we would keep more heat in the engine, and that's what helps keep the emissions alive. The emissions don't like cooler temperatures. We, we like to keep things really hot all the time. The emissions function much better. A lot of these trucks have just been spectrum. Okay, so slowing down would definitely help out lower the RPM. Lower RPM creates more heat. Okay. Um, so I think just slowing down would be the better idea instead of just uh, replacing the rear range for something lower then. Yes. I, I, I've almost always said that. If we can, if mm -hmm. we can just slow down and get a truck into its sweet spot, that just makes a whole lot more sense to me. It always has than going out and spending six to ten thousand dollars to change all the gearing. Yeah, yeah. I think at twelve fifty for this would be about sixty miles an hour. That that would be ideal. I it, that may be mm -hmm. enough to solve your emission problems. Yeah. Um, which brings us to the DPF. Um, it was cleaned out at 500,000 miles, and I've gotten several different numbers as to when it should be cleaned out again. And I am at uh, 343,000 miles on it since its last cleaning. And uh, it's doing the regions about every day now. So I'm wondering what your thoughts on that are and what you recommend for cleaning. It, it's getting time, and my recommendation is um – 
DPF Alternatives, which is a kind of like a franchise around the country. You can look them up. You can find locations. Pittsburgh Power is a DPF alternative location. They have a full DPF alternative system. I've been through it. It is incredible how in-depth their cleaning is. Getting your DPF cleaned is not the same everywhere, not even close. Um, this is the most thorough system I have ever seen. So that is clearly my recommendation on DPFs. Okay, so I'd have to get the, uh, they got You say they got branches all over, so I can just pick one up and it's the same... Uh, It'll be the same process, over. same equipment, same training, right? Now, here's the thing, and we I always just uh, like to remind people of this. We talk about things like um, uh, Mike Beckett and MD Alignment. Mike sells alignment equipment and trains people on how to do it. It's not like a true franchise kind of thing, but he does sell the equipment and train people. Everybody got the same equipment and the same training. Are you going to get the same service at every place you go? No, no. Some of these people are horrible, no. I, awful. I mean, they, they may have gotten the it's equipment, like the training, but yeah, exactly. They don't they don't do this well. And then on the other hand, there are people like Chad, who we've been talking about for years that that Mike Beckett trained. Chad's as good as it gets. I mean, that's so no different here. DPF Alternatives has a great system. Their equipment is good. Their training is awesome. The whole system works really well. But you could find a dealer that maybe just doesn't have great customer service and doesn't follow through and doesn't really follow their training and take shortcuts. And so you still have to be careful of that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'll look them up. I got to get that done uh, this next week anyways. And glider kits. I read glider kits were going out of style or out of, uh, I guess, regs from the EPA. Uh, you got any more insight on that? They're basically done. Um, what happened several years ago was the EPA didn't really outlaw gliders. What they did was put a limit on how many any one company could build in a year. You know, we, we had a couple of really big glider manufacturers. We worked with two of the biggest, uh, Fitzgerald and Harrison, and it, the the ruling, the regulation basically put them out of business. They were building thousands and thousands of gliders and they were limited to, I don't know, a couple dozen or something, if that. Um, there's no way they can stay in business like that. So, I it, and then because that was the rule, the manufacturers are phasing out their glider kits. Why would the manufacturer build glider kits anymore if... You, nobody can build them and put them out on the street. Basically, what it did was created the situation we used to have 30 years ago. Gliders have been around forever. You used to pull into a truck dealer and you could almost always find a glider sitting there in their yard ready, waiting to be built. They had a horrible reputation. They were junk. Nobody wanted a glider. You couldn't sell the damn things. Usually, they got built because somebody rolled over a truck. You know, you roll it over the cab's destroyed but the whole driveline's still good that's what gliders were originally used for but everybody hated them because they're pretty complicated to build correctly 
So what you had was dealers that might build two or three a year, if that, and they just weren't very good at it. And you ended up with a bunch of junk. So gliders had a really bad reputation. Then companies, Fitzgerald was the first and the biggest, said, look, we build these things all day, every day. We build them really good. And they did. So now, if you could buy a glider, I haven't checked lately to see if you can even buy gliders anymore. But if you could, we're back to that same thing. Now you just have independence in a shop building one here and there, and they're just going to be junk again. In fact, it's going to be worse this time because building these new trucks into a glider is more complicated than it used to be. So for the most yeah, part, gliders, the computers on. gliders are just dead. I, I, it, it, maybe it's possible. Like I said, I haven't looked in a long time. Maybe it's possible to still go to Freightliner or, or Packcar. I think those are the only two that sold gliders anyway. Um, maybe you could still go buy one as an individual. I'm not sure. But for the most part, they're, they're just about dead. Okay. Cool. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to South Carolina this time. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kevin? I got a couple of things. Uh, first of all, that artificial intelligence thing, think about this. Imagine what that's going to do to people filling out resumes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's going to take, it's gonna, and I'm just going to have to hey. be honest, it's going to take someone that shouldn't have a job and make them think that they're the best candidate. One of the articles... And now you have someone in a position they shouldn't be in. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting you brought this up. One of the articles I had bookmarked, and I just didn't keep going because I had so many calls, was a, a, exactly that. It was a whole article teaching hiring managers how to spot this kind of stuff in a resume. Oh, cool. All they're, right, they're, yeah. They're all, I mean... <laughs> you know, here's something else I forgot to mention. <laughs> This this technology is smart enough already that it has passed the bar exam. Oh, yeah, you told me that. You mentioned that once before. I think. Yeah, and you, you can't pass the bar exam by memorizing stuff. It's not possible. You don't know what the questions are going to be. You can't teach to the questions because nobody knows what they are. They're kept secret. Lots of exams are like that, medical exams. Uh, my CFP exam was 15 hours long, and there was no way to cheat on it. There was no way to memorize answers. That's not how it worked. They, there was no, there really wasn't a correct answer to most of the questions. I, I mean, a lot of the questions were things like, they were what we call case studies. You had this report to read. Here is your client. It's a... Uh, you know, 32-year-old male who makes $64,000 a year and a 28-year-old spouse who works part-time and they have two kids and they want to send them to college and they want to buy a house in 10 years and they want to retire when they're 62 with the <laughs> $1.5 million in assets. How do they do it? That, that's the question. Well, you can't memorize anything like that. No. But no. The, this artificial wow. intelligence is already passing all of this all of these exams that they they give to it. Wow. Yeah, I was just thinking like that. Uh, then another thing, I watched. I finally watched that uh, drop. What a drop dead suddenly! I watched it Saturday. Yeah. yeah. My God. Is that, that awful? Is, yeah. 
And, and, and look, and here's the, best, the thing. Yeah, the best thing about it. Here, here's the thing. Somebody proved that it's wrong. Nobody has yet. I've seen some people try to no. debunk it, but when they debunk it, it's nothing more than their opinion of how they faked this. Well, okay, prove that then. Right. Don't just give me your opinion that you think they faked it. Prove that they faked it. It should be fairly easy. The, 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 the best part about it, too, I like towards the end. Like, I, I'm, I, I've listened to Howard Stern for years, and I, I listened to him for his comedy, not for his political views or anything else. You know what I mean? He's just a jackass when it comes on. But they, they put all the people up there, like that Jimmy Kimmel, like saying all these stupid things about vaccina- vaccinations, you know? Yeah. It's like good, like they, they put people out there that, you know, why don't you, you know, do they, do they do the research? They claim they follow the science and all this shit, you know? It's just like, it was great to see that they they did that, you know? Because you make, like I said, I'm about, about afraid to say I listen to them. But when he gets on that that, that bullshit, I, I, I just turn them off, you know? Yeah. I just shut them off. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, I've, but, uh, and then I got one other thing with the, the yogurt. So I finally decided to try and do the A2 grocery store yogurt for the El Ruta ride. Okay. And it worked. Oh, good. I got my first batch. Believe it or not, I did it. I just finished it last night at like 7 o'clock. I tried it this morning, and it was edible from the first one. Excellent. So so now I'm going to try it again, but, you know, obviously I'm going to make a d- d- different batch. So I forget what the brand was, but it's in, it was in public. So whatever their A2 uh, half and half was, that's what I used. So here's it works, so. yeah. Here's the Hopefully one. Here, here's the one thing. A lot of the A2 on the market, a lot of dairy on the market now has become what's called ultra pasteurized, and they do this for time. Yeah, yep, that's what this is. Yeah, they do it for time and speed. Instead of using a lower temperature and pasteurizing for a longer period of time, which is better. They want to make more money, so they use a high temperature for a short period of time. What I've found is that it you'll get inconsistent results, and we can't figure out why. Like you got a batch first batch, and it came out okay. edible. Out of the blue, right? I had you know good batches going with A2 that wasn't ultra pasteurized, and then one time I couldn't get it, so I used an ultra pasteurized, and it broke horribly. wasn't even edible. But other times okay. it works just fine. So it it doesn't seem to be as uh-huh. consistent. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, it's nothing like that Alexander's, but like I said, I'm having such a tough time getting yeah. it. It's like, well, nothing that. You know, we use um, Azure Standard for a lot of stuff, and that's where we were getting our, our A2 milk from, but that became harder and harder to get. Um, we just put yep, in our... that's what I was getting. It. We, we put in our orders every weekend, and then we pick them up on Tuesday. I mean, that's how we do Azure Um Guess what we couldn't get this weekend when we went to put in our order? And we order a lot of them. I uh, don't know. Eggs. <laughs> Eight. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, couldn't Ooh. get any eggs at all through wow. Azure Standard. That's bad. Yeah, it the is. He's not getting them. Yeah, it is. So somebody else must be, whoever's the, whoever his supplier is, is probably... Down someone is paying more. And, well, he you has suppliers I mean? all over the country, too, because they, they, right. they stay local. 
you know, they find new suppliers in each area. They're not, you know, shipping stuff, all some stuff, but for the most part, they try to stay as local as possible with their suppliers. And that's just not a good sign if they can't get eggs. Yeah, really. Uh, unfortunately, I can't put no chickens in my yard. But I know I can't either. I could go put them over. I could go put them over on my other property, but I'd have to figure out a way to protect them and take care of them. And but I, I can't put them here where right. I am either. Yeah. All right. I'll let someone else get in. Yeah, but that that drop that suddenly was whew. pretty scary I, uh, stuff. I just was like amazed at it. Yeah. It sure is. All right, man. Later. All right. Talk to you soon. Let's go to Texas this time. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Long time. How are you? Hey there. How have you been? I'm pretty good. See, I got a tax question, and it, it, it seems simple enough, but it's I, my accountant says you're just overthinking it. Okay. So I just want to run by you. All right. <laughs> I uh, um, had a pretty good year this year. And I ended up with about $19,000 worth of um, lumper fees that I paid. Now, on my settlement from the carrier I'm leased to, he lumps that all together and it, it shows as revenue. Uh, the lumper fees. A uh, previous carrier I had had a separate spot for it. It was a reimbursement. I didn't have to do anything with it. So what I do to get my settlement to match my profit gauges is I add the lumper fees as revenue. Then I add it as a reimbursement, which messes up the numbers. Then I add it. Then I subtract it under expense. I got to think this through. You are on the right track. I, no, no. <laughs> you have the right thought, but I'm not sure if we did it correctly or not. Let me think this through. No, you can get rid of the line in the settlement for reimbursement. Show it as revenue and then show it as an expense and then you're even. That's all that has to happen. Except that my my profit gauge won't uh, uh, come out. Sure. It, it won't look just. It won't look just like my oh, settlement. Oh, because, well, wait a minute, though. Again, I got to think this through because the way you did it is correct. Because they're showing it as revenue, you need to show it as expense. In the other company, because they showed it as a reimbursement, you could just ignore it. So this right. company is right. saying. Is saying it's they lump revenue. it all together as expense as a revenue. Yeah. Okay, but then why are you adding this line that calls it a reimbursement? That's where if all they're doing is calling it revenue, and on your entry into profit gauges you call it revenue, then you have a line for an expense. Then we've balanced it out. I don't understand where this reimbursement line is coming from. Well, I because if I if I add up my all my revenue. And then I put an expense on there. It doesn't the 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 amount of the settlement doesn't match. Oh, what's in I my see what you're gauges. saying. I see what you're saying because they're they're calling it revenue, and then okay, that's correct. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You then no, you I, can, I think so I you got have that. Two, so you have two options, and both are correct. You just decide which one makes more sense for you. And I think you already have. I would just stick with the way you did it. You say your settlement okay. doesn't look exactly the same, but it's quick to see why not. I mean, it's obvious. We know why not. Right. You're, you're correcting for th- – and this is their mistake, by the way. This should be called a reimbursement the way your other company did it. So you have to correct okay. for their mistake, but you did it right. Your your numbers will come out now, correct. <laughs> now, here's, here's the second question on this. You know how you always tell somebody, don't go out and buy $1,000 worth of chrome just for a tax <laughs> yeah. Uh, break? Yeah. Okay. Is this money this that I'm getting for a lumper fee, is that is that being shown like that? I mean, am no. I getting dinged on that? No, you're not. Here's the thing. Okay. The, the company is giving you money. Now, I, anybody that wants to give me money can bring it on. I'll take all the money you want to give me. I'll go pay tax on it. I don't have a problem with that. This is almost the opposite of what. So, you're. We don't want to go spend money just to create an expense. We've we've lost an right. advantage. That, but I will take all the revenue anybody wants to give me, and I'll pay all the tax on it. Okay, but if it's if it's classified as a reimbursement on there and not, it doesn't uh, matter. You, we you revenue. you turned it into an expense, which is what we want. You did it correctly, okay. so you're not losing See, I'm anything not ra- by accepting this money. You would be far I'm worse off. I'm not wrapping off. my head around that. Well, let, well, let, well let's, let me see if this I can. This is what my account says. I'm I overthinking it. I think I can clear this up pretty quickly. So you, okay, that's what I called you. You have an expense in order to get your job done. You have to pay these people to load and unload your trailer, right? That, that expense exists. You Correct. just have to pay it. Here are your two options. You either pay it out of your pocket and your company gives you nothing back, or they give you money to pay the expense. Which one do you want? Well, you yeah, just, I get it. But if you think this is a problem, I, if you think this is a problem or you're getting ding, go to your company and say, hey, stop reimbursing me for this shit. I'll just pay for it myself. <laughs> well, let's not get carried away. Okay, well, that's your answer <laughs> then. That's your answer. All right, but, but, I, but I, uh, how is that different than... Then, um, so let me explain. Let me try one more expense. time. Let me try one more time. Okay. When we talk about, <laughs> yeah, when we talk about, don't spend money to get a tax deduction. What we're talking about is right. you're, you're standing in front of me right now, and you've got a thousand dollars in your hand. You've earned that money, mm-hmm. and somebody paid it to you in your business. You could now right. take that money. Stick it in the bank and pay the tax on it, roughly 30%. So you have $700 left sitting in the bank. Or you could choose to spend all $1,000 of it so you don't have to pay tax on it. How much money do you have left? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I get it there. Stop, 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 stop. stop. Let me finish the thought because I think this will help (laughs) cement it in your brain. So in this scenario... You spend the money and it's gone and you have zero. Or you keep the money, pay the tax on it, you have $700. That's clearly the better answer. Now, let's look at this other scenario that seems similar, but it's the opposite. 
You are standing there with no money in your hand, and you have an expense to pay. So instead of paying it out of your pocket, you turn to your company and say, hey, give me some money so I can pay these guys. And they do. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, 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 is it as simple as one is gross revenue, the other one is net? Yes. Okay. And, and yeah, that's how my accountant explained it to me. She said, listen, you're just, it's a wash. She is absolutely correct. Basically. That's the right term. It's a wash. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's why I'm a driver and not an accountant. Well, that's true. Our accounting system and our tax system is way too complicated. It is, but it sure makes it a lot simple with that profit gate. Is anybody out there that, that, that needs any help, man? That's, that was the easiest thing I ever did in my life. Dave, you know what? What made profit gauges so powerful here is this stuff has gone on all the time. These reimbursements that don't get categorized correctly. It, it, what happened was the program made you aware that it was a problem. Most people aren't even aware oh, that any of this stuff even exists because they, they have no clue. You looked at it and said, hey, wait a minute. Something isn't making sense to me here. But you would have never known that if you weren't doing the accounting. Uh, you're right. Absolutely. I, I'd be, I'd be blind. I'd right. be out there like right. 95% of them. Yeah. So, so, um, uh, I could, I could throw another caveat in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I could not pay the expense out of my pocket and I could, I could have the carrier provide the, the, um, lumper fee. Right. But then it would just cost me 10% to use their money. That's why I don't do it. Got it. You know? Got it. Well, that's a good choice. And, no, that's a really good yeah, choice. Yeah. Why spend money you don't have to spend? Absolutely. Plus, yeah. I get air miles on my credit card. So <laughs> there you the go. Hell? That's right. <laughs> that's right. No, no. Uh, I got to tell you, the best year I ever had last year. I did uh, a little over 96,000 miles, uh, $3.65 wow. revenue on every mile. Wow. And uh, Man, is that incredible. And a dollar forty um, to run the truck. Oh, oh wow. So your net was two something. Holy cow, two twenty. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, well. Well, it's uh, it, 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 it's a little misleading on a profit gauge because they take a a, a forty thousand dollar a year salary. Oh, oh, so that's you know you in my just, you just add expenses. that right back in. Yeah, you just add that right. No, back no, in. I did, I did. Yeah, right, right. That's, that's what, what I do. But it's 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 marked as an expense right. on, on the bottom line. You know. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm doing stellar. So I'm doing uh, what I aim to do is put less miles on and earn more money. There you uh, go. I had 250 days off last year. <laughs> I mean, pardon me, pardon yeah. me, 250 days working work, last work. year. Yeah, that that makes more sense. Work, That's, work. You know, I, I I can remember doing tax returns for people and. It, it, they we would be putting down 360 overnights in a year yeah i get you well i if you look at it in a in a in a layman's way 40 hour work week kind of way 
really only every weekend off is, is what, 104 days. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of more, <laughs> a little more normal in that aspect, I guess. Yeah. Well, but, uh, good stuff. Hey, Dave, the only thing I can say, yeah. I, I love those numbers. It was a fantastic year, best year we've ever seen. I'm, I'm 99% positive the party's over. Yeah, me too. Although my outbound rate, my outbound freight, Kevin, is, is stellar. I, I know. It's stellar. I, it's, LTL, it's LTL. You know, I don't I, even I, have to get anything to go back. I, I know. I'm talking to all these people that had a great year last year, really incredible numbers, yeah. and we're talking to them this year, and they're saying, look, it really hasn't changed yet. Now, for a lot of the industry, it has. But for a lot of people, oh, they're, I get it. they're still maintaining those freight rates, and it's pretty incredible. But I, I think it's it's just leftovers. I, I, I'm pretty sure the party's over. Well, the LTL is a little bit different than truckload, right? right. Yeah, uh, it is. As, as you know. Yep. And and um, uh, I mean, I'm I'm at about six and a quarter on my outbound. So yeah, incredible. You All know. Right. All right, Dave. Yeah, so good, I, good to hear from you again. Don't be a stranger. All right. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Right. Appreciate the help. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Let's uh, let's go to Texas. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, morning, Kevin. What's on uh, your mind today? Not what I originally thought. Not what I originally thought about on the the glider issue. My understanding is they were they were completely outlawed by the government as of 2020, the end of 2020. Uh, I ordered one December. Got it in January for that reason. I figured one more give me the retirement. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just I hadn't. I just hadn't followed up on it. I knew the regulation really all it did was limit how many any one company could make. It didn't really outlaw them. Uh, so it was possible the the manufacturers could have kept building and selling glider kits, but I, I had a feeling they were going to stop. I just never followed up on it after that. Um, on that subject, something interesting I found, you know, I, I was looking several months before I, I bought this one, found a company up in uh, Nebraska, and they were taking, they were like 2018, 2019 Peterbilt's with uh, pack cards, and they were pulling the pack cards out and putting cats in them, pre-emission cats. That's illegal. And I, I well, I asked the guy, you know, how are y'all doing that? I, I went up there and looked at them. I mean, I, I saw them. And it wasn't a small company. They probably had 30, 40 trucks up there. And he said that the state was giving them a new VIN number. Doesn't matter. This and isn't a state issue. Were, yeah. That's how I, I, this is a yeah, federal. This is EPA. I don't know if they still are. The state can issue right, VIN right. numbers all day long. Wouldn't matter when the EPA steps yep. in and says, wait a minute, you altered the emissions of that vehicle. That's illegal. See, in a in a glider, yeah, it scared me. I didn't he, buy one. People yeah. always got this confused. They said, "Well, if I can buy a glider and put any engine I want, why can't I just yank my engine out and put any in?" Because you just modified the emissions of that vehicle on a glider. I didn't modify the emissions. It never had emissions. It that glider yeah. was built for this engine. You when you order a glider, you went through this. You have to tell them what engine you're putting in it, right? 
Yeah. That truck was built from the factory to have that engine, that non-emission engine. And that was a loophole in the federal law. Gliders were allowed to do that. Gliders are still allowed to do that if you can find somebody to sell you a glider. But you can't take a current truck, yank an engine out of it, and then call that truck a glider. That's that's not that's illegal. They will get caught, and they'll get fined yeah, heavily uh, for this. I mean, they might have. I don't know if they're still doing it. This was back in 2020. But, yeah, it, it was. I thought it was. It scared me to death. So yeah. I, I yeah, that's, yeah, that. Yeah, uh, that. Anyway, what I originally. Yeah, go ahead. Called about that. Uh, circling back to last week, I just caught the replay this weekend. I was off last week. On the, the, the deal with David Count on the dusted engine. Yeah. Do you know, I didn't hear, was that a 389 feet? Even know. I don't even know if I know. I'm trying to think back through all the data I've gotten about it, and it, I wouldn't have thought about that when I'm thinking about an engine. You know, it, to me, the truck wouldn't have mattered. Um, the bigger well, me, problem here is, is, is yeah. Well, the bigger problem here wasn't that this couldn't have been caused by the air filter. It could have been caused by the air filter. We admit that. The problem is they eliminated the option to prove that it was caused by the air cleaner. Yeah. That's the that's the issue. And David said, look, he said, I, I have no problem paying for an engine if our product failed. He said, all, all I want to know is our product failed. And I said, David, that's the problem. It's too late. Nobody could ever prove that now. So if I were you, I would not pay this. I would fight this. Yeah, I agree. The, what I was getting at, the and the reason it sticks in my mind is my cousin, he bought a new 389 Peterbilt. Um, I don't know what year, 2019, 2020. Anyway, he dusted an engine at 140-something thousand miles and had to pay for it out of pocket to have it rebuilt, which it seemed odd to me at the time. And then listening to your show, you know, months went by, and you've had two callers that have called in that had, they were doing oil samples, which my cousin wasn't. And he wasn't running a fleet air filter. He was running a paper filter that had high silicon and late model 389s. And then you've got this one, which is the fourth one, if it is a 389. It just seems like there may be something, a crack somewhere and a that has a nothing. Of them. Yeah, that has nothing to do with what type of filter you put in it. It's going to happen anyway. Right, right. And if yeah, if, I'm just wondering if there's something. Well, if we were able to get enough on data on on that issue, we may be able to figure it out. What we did because we were aware of that model as well, we went back and looked through our oil samples of all the trucks we could find with that. We don't see any pattern of this at all. Okay, that's what I was wondering. But, if that was but what we have to be careful of, well, what we have to be careful of is I might not have enough numbers. I may just not have right. enough trucks in there like that to see the problem. When you get a problem like this, it's never that every truck is going to have the problem. It might be one out of 10,000 that have the problem or one out of 1,000 or 500 right. or whatever. And if I only have you know, 350 of those trucks in my system, then I, I don't even have a big enough sample to see that the problem exists. And we went back and looked, and I, I just don't see any kind of a pattern there. Okay, that's what I was wondering, if, if, if there was a pattern. It just seems odd that 
know, two yeah, people I it, know of it does stand on a late it, model truck. That's it's really very rare. possible that we are going to find at some point there is some other defect somewhere. We just haven't found it yet. Yeah, if you've got one, I would make sure you do it. Yeah, my cousin that, that's, that's the real. That's the real lesson here. So I'm glad you brought that back up. Do the oil samples. Had this guy done the oil samples, and it truly was dirt. David said, I wouldn't even, we don't question whether they oiled the filter right. We don't question whether they take care of it right. If, if our filter caused that, we'd pay it. He said, I, he wanted to pay it. And I was the one that kept telling him, David, don't. It, <laughs> that's just wrong. They, you know, they, they have yeah, to no, know because nobody should have had to spend this $40,000. And it shouldn't be David that has to spend it. He didn't do anything wrong. Or if he did, it can't right, be proven. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I agree with you completely. I was just wondering if there was a pattern in the truck. If you had looked, and apparently you had. You know, let, let, okay. let, uh, let's think about out there. Let's think about this for a second. If it were the filter in this particular case and we could prove it, it would almost have to be that we would have to prove that that filter has a flaw in it somewhere, the design. And that's not true because we have lots of trucks with that filter that aren't showing high silicon. So then it would be, well, what if the filter was damaged? Well, okay. Well, how did it get damaged? If the guy, you know, washes his filters and then leaves them in the garage and, you know, his son ran him over with the bike. or I, There's lots of ways somebody could damage the filter. That's still not the manufacturer's responsibility. Right. The only things I can see that would cause the manufacturers the filter being too short or... It, right, right. A, a true really flaw in the design. And if it was like that, we would see a lot more cases of this. Yeah. And I mean, you'd probably notice it installing it. Somebody it's would. Something, right, right. So there's no clear pattern of this. I'm not saying the filter didn't cause it. The filter could have had a rip or a tear to get... It, it, that's possible. But That's again, was yeah. that the manufacturer's fault or not? And, and they just rebuilt this engine. And then after the fact, contacted David and said, you have to pay for this. You can't do that. No, I've never heard of that. Okay. Well, all right. Well, that, was, that was my only question. All I right. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Yeah, it, uh, we had seen... T- the, the possibility that there was a pattern there. I just can't find it in any of the oil samples. Let's go to Georgia. Voitech, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I think the cart is rolling over in its grave right now, uh, watching uh, uh, all this chat GDP nonsense going on. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. He's the one that's at least credited with uh, saying, I think, therefore I am. Hmm. Yeah, that's a scary uh, thought. If if you, I'm guessing, define intelligence, artificial or not, by being able to connect the dots and make a decision based on the information you presented, like this software seems to be able to do, I guess you can say that it is some sort of intelligence. Uh, consciousness, on the other hand, I think is a little different. So there 
intelligence, but the minute that intelligence, that system becomes self-aware, well, then, uh, you know, we're, we're down the rabbit hole of Skynet and Matrix and I, I know. We're going to be nothing but a battery. I, I know, and it, it's bizarre. I mean, wait, even... hold on, hold on. I, I should, I, I should have prefaced and with a warning for everyone to put their tinfoil hats on. Well, yeah, of course. But this is a topic that we really do have to put our tinfoil hat on and look at really, really hard. You know, I, I've seen discussions about, well, how do you teach? morals and and like you said a conscience it well i i I don't know i don't know if anybody knows i but it's kind of scary to think of extreme intelligence with no conscience well that's a very interesting uh point you raise because what is what are morals morals exactly right what are they i think to a higher extent to a higher extent, they are taught. Yet there are some uh, physiological uh, deficiencies that there could be in a body on a neurological level that could preclude somebody from developing different characteristics well, of empathy. And that's how you get psychopaths because they're physically not able to, their, their brains that have some kind of uh, deficient, developmental deficiency. But with the software, if it can analyze almost instantaneously, all of the data that humanity has accumulated and knows everything about psychology that we know and physiology, will it be able to make a conscious choice to be, have a personality and consciousness of a psychopath? Well, exactly. Uh, and how right. will it, in light of that, how will it do us? Well, well let's even will think about... The, 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 on the, on the planet, like, oh. Yeah, I. let's even think about what we call morals, and some of them we think are absolutely correct. They have to be. Nobody would argue against them. And yet, all of them are nothing but rules that humans created. Uh, think, let's think about this. This exists in nature. Let, I would, let, not exactly. Let, well, hold on. Let's think about this for a second. In nature, we know this exists. Male grizzly bears. They meet a female they want to mate with, and that female already has cubs. They will kill the cubs. It's a known phenomenon. It happens all the time. Yes, but that is... Sure, but that's a purely survival mechanism from an evolutionary point of view. That male wants to eliminate that offspring. Humans are, I think, pretty much the only animal that will raise the offspring of another male because that male wants to ensure that his genes continue to exist through that season, you know, by mating with that female. Humans are, by it's a social invention, humans used to do the same thing at some point in our history. Exactly. So what I I said was, what we call morals are nothing more than a bunch of rules that human beings wrote. Yes, to a certain extent, because the, the morality of following those uh, laws is, at, to a certain extent, in my opinion, uh, in some degree based on your health of your 
mind. Over, oh, over, ab- you know, your absolutely. Health. I, I'm not saying that we were wrong to create these morals. I we we always like to say that we are a country of laws. And that is a really important factor that I think a lot of people miss. Take away the the laws we have and society becomes anarchy. You could never own a property or a house because or any kind of property because without rules, anybody could steal it from you. But we have laws that stop that because we realized that creates an organized society and we all benefit from it. And, and so I'm not saying it's wrong. All I'm saying is we just have to remember that everything we call morals really is just some rule that we decided was a better way to live. It, it's not reality. What, what, if somebody decides they want to have seven wives and everybody agrees with it, what, why is that immoral? Right. Universally preferable behavior, and it, it's based on social structure. Right. Now we, have, now we have these machines that I don't know that you can teach that. What if for the machine, well, everything is just about pure efficiency? What's the best way to do something? The, yeah. the, the quickest way to get to a certain outcome. That's my fear is that's how machines are always going to be taught to think. What's the most efficient way of doing things? Well, the most efficient way of fixing our healthcare system would be to execute everybody before they get to 65 years old. Right? I could fix our healthcare system yeah. quickly. But it's not very humane. Well, but that's a very singular, but that's a very singular, narrow-minded uh, goal that you would have, um, and uh, there would have to be some provisions to, to to balance that. You know, technically, when I look at this, people call people use our software, profit gauges. And then they call me with their report so we can go over their numbers and I can help them understand what their numbers mean and what they should do, right? Yes. Well, couldn't ChatGPT do that? Not at this point, I don't think, because I don't think, I think that lacks um, the analytical ability to... Right. Draw but, conclusions based on the data because at this point it only accumulates so, data. Right. You, you would so, have to look at the code behind how it makes decisions, what to do and what not to do. And going back to your point about uh, plagiarism, so, I'm pretty sure it has that mechanism built into it to make sure it doesn't plagiarize. Correct. And what is defined right. as plagiarism in this, within that system? Changing, changing several phrases within a paragraph could meet the threshold of not equal does not equal plagiarism so it, it's a very simple coding trick to so, make that system make that answer not look original right well i'm using a, a totally separate program to double check them and it's so far it's worked on every example so, I've so used. Does this. yeah and the chat gdp 
that bot uses the same software, I'm sure. It, it might. It, it very well may use that same tool or, right. So and it would be nice to know. Now, like I said, I've been using that tool for years to make sure we don't accidentally um, put something out that's somebody else's material. It can happen over years when you're collecting stuff and copying and pasting and writing. We have tons of data. So I just try to run stuff through there to make sure we haven't plagiarize something. Let's go back to profit gauges. So how do I, when somebody calls me and, and says, look at my profit gauges and tell me how I can do better, how do I do that? What, what's my process? My process is just to think back over all the successful owner-operators I've worked with and what made me successful as an owner-operator. This worked, this worked, this worked, and this worked. So if I look at your profit gauges and I can see that your fuel economy really sucks, well, that's pretty obvious. So it's just pattern recognition. That's all my brain is doing over years. It just recognized patterns and remembered them. So I see every time somebody gets good fuel economy, their profit goes up. When they have good relationships, their rates tend to go up. So I, it's just that I recognize patterns and then I can tell somebody. The pattern of a successful owner-operator is somebody who does this. And you're not doing that. You're doing this. So just change. That seems like a pretty simple task for AI, honestly. Absolutely, and I think by the time that is technology is uh, developed, uh, it will be integrated into the vehicles, and they'll be driving themselves, so we won't even have to worry about <laughs> right. it. Right. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to get our head around if, if, as this technology develops, we have robots now that can do manual labor, and now we have machines that can do our mental labor. What's left for us to do? Talk about our feelings, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be, or you know, everybody's going to be on uh, universal basic income and uh, look, I, I, bills I, to uh, deal with the sadness of our reality. I, I can promise you right now, if if that is the world that we end up, I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure within at least my lifetime that will be. Uh, something we're going to have to deal with for the next, let's say, 40, 50 years. You know, I think so, too. I plan on living another 40. That's kind of my goal. I want to make sure I at least hit the big 100. I can't imagine what's going to happen in the next 40 years. Yeah, well, just uh, like you mentioned before, uh, I would be looking into making sure that we are or anyone that has got a brain is as independent as possible from the matrix. Here's another thought I had. So I'll ask you this question. If you were to go Google things like uh, how to be a successful owner-operator, or you go onto YouTube and you find all the YouTube trucking influencers and you watch their videos, and um, how much of that information, percentage-wise, if you were to guess, how much of that information do you think is actually any good? Oh, single-digit percentage points. Uh, I think you're right. It would be it would be not worth my time. It would not be worth my time to go through all of the data and analyze it to learn what is good and what is bad. I would just pay. So, right. 
so somebody like yourself to so, access that data because free, you get what you pay for. So and let's think. That rule yeah. Holds up in this case. Yeah, you're right. So let's think about something for a second. Like I said earlier, if if this if we're talking about say fashion. Well, who cares? There's no right or wrong answer in fashion anyway. That's, it's just all opinion. That's where this kind of technology might really shine. Maybe it's creative. Maybe it comes up with new stuff we didn't think of. And there is no really right or wrong. But let's talk about something about buying now your first truck and, and, and becoming an owner-operator. If, if the way this technology is going to work, that it has to go search the Internet, find all of the information that's out there, and then determine what's right, won't it go by what it finds the majority of? And I would say by far the majority of information in a lot of areas. I, I, I know owner-operators, and I know how to get started. I can promise you. Most of the information that's currently on the internet is wrong. So isn't chat GP, GTP going to be wrong by default? No, I think it will find the truck that is that you would pick because that's the difference between Google, at least that, from maybe what I you're understand, right. no, maybe Google you're right. and this bot. Because Google will find you what is most common and what is most available. But that's not necessarily what's best. This will look at criteria that isn't like Google, where it's just looking at certain data points of commonality on the Internet and infers, draws a, a, a mathematical conclusion, this is the most available data. It will look at why it needs to be expected. And then it will say that this is the right truck for you to be successful, not because it's so abundant so, in the market, but it's because of the technical mathematical data that leads to better fuel efficiency. So here's an interesting thought. Where, where is it going to find the data to figure out what's correct. And the reason I say that is because I, I've talked about this for 30 years. I've been asking owner operators for 30 years, how many of you have a true profit and loss every month? The number is still less than 10%. So if the goal here is to try to create the most profit, ChatGTP can't even find the data to figure out what's most profitable. It doesn't exist. It's not out there. There's not enough of it. The same with fuel economy. Let's think about fuel economy in let's think about fuel economy in general. Where what database do you go access to figure out how to spec a truck properly to get the best fuel economy? What what database are you going to access to figure that out? Well, I'm sure there's some uh, there's studies out there that have to do with. Uh, you know, fluid mechanics and uh, you know, <laughs> physics and engineering. Yes, of, of what what that is. But there's also it has to be crossed with uh, cross reference with uh, reliability and uh, efficiency. Real world experience. Let's. You know, there was a time where we were talking so much. If you do this, you get five percent better fuel economy. If you do this, and people started saying, "Oh my God, if all that stuff worked, you'd be producing fuel." 
in some ways, in some ways, they're right. If you sit down and look at all the research on everything that improves fuel economy, you did it all. We should be getting 20 miles to the gallon somehow, but it, it never works. And I'm not saying things don't work. They do, but not not to the way sometimes the data would show. Now, you know, if we're talking about data for fuel economy, we need to go mine a database. We may have the biggest database in existence on fuel economy of individual trucks. Well, maybe you need to apply that bot to uh, go digging around your data. And That's what I'm thinking. But what's that going to cost you? Because I'm sure... Well, is, is, is the information you're going to accumulate well, by using a bot going to produce enough uh, revenue to cover the cost of that bot? I don't, I don't know. Because honestly, I think the bot is going to be cheap, 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 cheap. Here's why. The company that put out this first chat bot, the name of the company is OpenAI. They're sharing all their programming. Once you program this, it's cheap. Yeah, now they do. It's cheap. Okay. So but they, they didn't do it out of the goodness of their heart. No, of course not. Um, well, you know, Elon Musk is famous for making all of his technology open source. He shares all of his research and data with people. He shares his programming and his code. He shares his battery technology. He, he always has. And I think for him, it really is altruistic. I think he believes that when you share that kind of data, it gets better for everybody. No, he's doing it because he knows by, by just like you, because you share your information too for free a lot of times. The benefit, long-term benefit of that is not uh, calculated in dollars. It's calculated in progress, yeah, which is you're exponential. Right. You're right. Which yeah. will be good for him in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, and it has. Look, he's the richest man in the world, so he did something right. Uh, yeah. I, the, the, you know, Lisa and Brittany somehow, and I have to, we just talked about it this morning, Lisa and I did, and I didn't even know they had, had accomplished this. They ran, oh, I, I can see how they would have done it. Would have been a little labor intensive, but they've taken a lot of text from our website and ran it through this to improve it to make better copy. Oh, nice. And, and I could see where yeah, we, there where there we could contract with a company that produces it. Now the article that I read said the big key here is going to be what they call APIs. And that's how software programs share information. So we could write, we would have our programmers write an API that would allow this chat bot, this artificial intelligence to look at all of our data and analyze it on fuel economy. Now, this opens up a whole new, right, but as far as that bot goes, this opens up a whole new... uh, attack vector for systems, information systems, because let's say you say, oh yeah, let's use the bot to uh, analyze our data. You open up your system to a third party. You don't know what they're doing in the background. You, that's a good point. We already do a lot of that. 
we already use APIs. We use a we use a company that even if you don't have APIs to make your software work with this other company's software, there is a third-party company that does nothing but write APIs to make all kinds of different software work. For example, when you go sign up for an, uh, one of our websites, I have a program that says, oop, we have a new sign-up, grab that information, and go put it in our email program so that we can send them an email easily. I don't have to manually put a new customer into our email program. We use software to do it for us. And that was an API because it was, there are times we have some, we have some, I don't even know what to call them, um, processes written that involve four different software companies. It's a, it's pretty convoluted when your system grows, uh, grows and grows, and this is going to be, you know, it, it, all of their, you know, data infrastructure. You know, the the last refrigerator I just bought has cameras inside the refrigerator, and it has a big touch screen on the outside of the door, and this software is nowhere near useful yet but you can see where they're going. These cameras figure out what food is in my refrigerator, and sometimes I'll walk past the refrigerator and I'll say, hey, why don't you make this for lunch? And it bases it on what it found in my refrigerator. I went... I, You're such a sheep. The, I, I know, it's kind of scary. The other day I walked up to the refrigerator and it said you should check your eggs. They've been in your refrigerator for 18 days. They might be expired. I, I, that's, this is where I draw the line. The, the, that's uh, what's coming, though. It, the minute you let your refrigerator do your, <laughs> the minute you let your refrigerator do your thinking for you, I, I know it's, that's, it's, uh, it's all downhill from there. I agree. That's why I'm talking about this. This is scary stuff. This isn't just this chat bot. This is your your washing machine talking to your to your you know Alexa and your refrigerator and telling it to order more laundry detergent and eggs. It's convenient, but at what price? That's the that big all question. All the data right that there. is yep. collected by your behavior is, is sold, and it's a big business. Big, big business. You're right. That... Anyway, we could be talking. We, we can chew on that for, for a long time. I, I think I we're going to. I have questions on fuel efficiency with my truck. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, As you ask them, I'm going to so type them in the chat, GP, GTP. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 2010 Volvo, uh, 10 speed, 342 rear end. Uh, I have super Michelin super singles. I've got the Air Dog, the OPS leader filter. Uh, just had my uh, EGR valve replaced and the seventh injector and the thermostat. About a year and a half ago, uh, I did my injectors, all six of them, and injector cups. And about three months, two, three months ago, I had the uh, head worked on. Um, one of the, the rockers replaced, and the, all the the cam and uh, and my fuel. And I pull a septic, uh, and I'm getting like 
five and a half, five seven miles per gallon. What's on, the- on this recent trip? I, I, I thought that I had issues with emission systems, and I just started using the catalyst again. I, I was using it. I stopped for a couple months because I just ran out. I got some more, and I started having issues with the emission systems. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a correlation between stopping the catalyst and the emission systems going bad. Uh, that's why I had to do the EGR and the seventh injector. It wouldn't regen. You know, um, it's it, it's hard to know for sure, but based on all the history we have, it is the I would say the most likely reason the problems occurred was because we weren't using the catalyst. I, we we see it pretty often, but let's take a step well, back. Was, what's the right? But then you quit, and then the problem showed up. But what's the what prior right. to all of this stuff that you just outlined? What was the average fuel economy on this truck? Uh, I'm sorry, broke out. What, what was the question? Prior to all this that just you just ha- said happened, what was the fuel economy on this truck? About six two. That's been like the economy, the fuel efficiency last couple years that I've been driving this truck. Okay, about so- six two, six and a half. I mean, obviously, with the lighter load, with the more aerodynamic load, I can I can push yeah. seven, seven and a half. Okay. Uh, So it, it, I think it would be fair to say that that we lost at least a half mile per gallon. That doesn't have anything to do with loads and yeah. So at least a half mile per gallon was lost, and we don't have any real explanation as to why. Um, Yes. When was the overhead done? About three months ago when they did uh, all the top-end work. So can you correlate any of these things to the change happening? Overhead, I've seen some people really screw up fuel economy with a bad overhead sometimes. Um, Have we been oil sampling all this time? You know, I would hope. Yeah, I I have, and my oil samples don't look the best. And I thought it had to do with the uh, issues I had with injectors and the overhead uh, because I had some fuel dilution and my base was going down and I just replaced uh, the stock filters and added about a gallon of uh, oil with the filters to kind of keep the base up. Okay. Um, the truck isn't really using any oil. Uh, so, so when we see base drop, Typically, what we're looking at at that point is poor combustion. That it's 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 combustion byproducts, poor combustion byproducts that use up the base. When we don't burn fuel completely, we create acid, and that's what the base is there for to neutralize the acid. So when we see a truck where the base drops quickly, it usually tells me it's not tuned well. And, and I'm using the word tuned in a very generic way. There, there could be exhaust restriction. Sure. There could be intake restriction. The overhead might not be set properly. We might have an injector, you know, streaming once in a while. The engine is just not performing as well as it could. That's that's typically what we look for when we see base drop like that. And I did have an issue with the cam where one the lobe on the seventh injector was uh, 
wore out and it probably wasn't actuating the injector properly. Properly, right? And I did have a broken spring on that seventh injector. The mechanic that replaced the injectors originally was not able to get at the time about six months ago. He was not able to get a replacement injector, so he just replaced the spring and the the, the, the gasket on the injector, the little rubber O-ring. Right. Um, okay. And he, so he just replaced the spring, cleaned the injector out, and put the injector back in because there was no replacement available at that time. Um, and so th- that fuel dilution might have been caused by that that cam in the back, that uh, spring on the injector. It was a it was a tiny crack, but I'm, I'm guessing it was enough. Yeah. Uh, I did have an issue with uh, I lost I lost an elbow in the coolant system, uh, and the engine you know had to shut down. Um, but I, it was just a simple, you know, put the elbow back on, put the coolant back in and everything so it, back to normal as far as that. Um, so it sounds like there were clearly, there were a lot of things that could have caused this. You, uh, an, an injector, uh, the cam, all that's been fixed. So we would hope that it would have cleared up, but we still seem to have the same results. We still seem to have the same problems in the oil sample. Um, so we got to have, we have to go back and look at all the work that was done. Was it done right? Did something fail again? The oil samples are, are kind of telling us that this thing just isn't burning fuel efficiently. Right. So we, uh, sometimes yeah, we, just just have to, we have to start from right, scratch. Right, right is, now. is there exhaust restriction? Is there an intake issue? Are the valves set properly? Yeah, there is. There is there is a, a, a restru- exhaust restriction from the factory. It's called the DPS. Yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Um, but for the most part, it, how about temperatures? Is this thing running hot enough? That's the problem I had, and that's why I also had to uh, replace the thermostat because I was thinking maybe the thermostat wasn't working properly. And I've been running in in, in like in December. Uh, when it was up north, uh, where it was like minus twenty, yeah, and that this this truck went all the the temperature went all the way down to one thirty. Oh yeah, I had See. to get a yeah. piece of cardboard and stick yeah. it between the charger cooler and the radiator just to keep the temperature at like one seventy. That and uh, that may so be a big part of your problem. There is no way bit. that engine can run efficiently at one hundred and thirty. No way. Right, but ever since I replaced the, you know, this I just replaced the thermostat. It's been running at the proper temperature. You know, so like I say, you've identified almost everything that could have caused this, and and you did have the problems, and you fixed the problems. It seems like this should have gone away. Uh oh. Did, are you still there? Well, I guess. There you do you are. think it would be worth it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Do you think it would be uh, worth it to get back into the head and at least uh, have the overhead checked? Yeah, by I think somebody like somebody a, you trust. Yeah, I, this wasn't done at a Volvo dealer. Yeah, somebody right. you trust. Well, who do you? You know, who do you I, really trust. I mean, they say they 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 the results speak for themselves. So you know, I. I <laughs> Yeah, my my go-to on this would be Joel. 
Joel has worked with a lot of Volvo shops. He's identified some of the better shops around the country. He keeps working on that. So I, I would start with one of his shops. All right, I'll try to get hold of him on the website to get that list of shops that yeah. he's confident in. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. All right. Uh, I've got one more call I'm going to grab right now. It's a free for all today. If you want to jump in, anything goes. 855-950-3835. When we're out of questions, we're done for today. So it's up to you. Let's go to Ohio. Steve, welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. Uh, Voitech can uh, check with uh, Paramount Truck Service in High Point, North Carolina, and uh, Diesel Brothers Truck Service in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Two best independent Volvo mechanics in the country right there. That's what Joel will tell him, too. Uh, Excellent. So uh, those are good, really good. And Voitech probably has Probably if he's in the south, he's probably been at one in in a high point. But that's a they're good. They're excellent shops. I've used them both. So they're they're good for a ball. But um, uh, Dave uh, Dave has had um, Kevin. Hold on. Hello, Kevin. Can you oh, hear me? Yeah, there you are. Uh, you, we lost we lost you for a second. You're back. Yeah, we did there for a second. Okay, uh, Dave was overthinking it. Uh, the the easy way, if if it's already on his settlement as ten ninety nine, just do the settlement like normal. You put your receipt. I I put my receipt in with my receipts, and when I do those at the end of the month, I have a lumper uh, category and expenses that you put there, and that'll balance it out. Uh, you know, with that'll that'll offset the uh, the income that's on the on the settlement. But just do the settlement like it is and make it make it. Yeah. I like all of my settlements to balance and propagate. Yeah, I do too. What I'm thinking is, if I had his settlement in front of me, it's possible that they were entering it twice. That's what he made it sound like. Because if all they did was show it as revenue, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, then, yeah. then you shouldn't right. need another entry to make it balance. You just show it as revenue, then you show the expense, yeah. and it would balance. Or no, wait a minute, it wouldn't. But I think he. Not, I no, think, there's the I problem. Think he, I think he was that, under the. No, he's right. I it, think he was. It, it won't his balance. idea. Well, here's what it was. I think he was putting the expense in on his on the settlement uh, on his uh, settlement Where in he, profit gauges, and it probably wasn't wasn't showing there. If you got the receipt at the end of the month, put it in your expenses as a lumper. There you go. I do that all the time. There, there you go. That's and and then right, yeah. So don't do it on the settlement. Let the settlement be the settlement. You know you've got the two hundred bucks for the lumper there, but you've got a receipt over here. And when yes. you're doing at the end of the month, when you're doing all of your receipts on that on that screen, uh, then at that point do it. That day. I think he was over overthinking. He did overthink. That That's you have the correct answer now. That's right. Do not try to handle yeah. the expense on the settlement. Just ignore it on the settlement. Enter the settlement the way it is. Count the um, count it as revenue, and then make sure yeah, that revenue. you stick that expense in your monthly expenses, not in your settlement. That's the right way to do it. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So that'd be the way for him to do that. And he, thank God he had he had such a great year. I'm, I'm I'm so pleased. A lot of people did. 
Uh, he needs to take advantage of $61,000 that he can put away in retirement plans and, and, and uh, not have to pay some tax on a good portion of that profit he's got there. Uh, good point. Yeah, so he, uh, he can get his, he can get his, he can get his numbers, uh, you know, down to a reasonable amount. A lot of people can even possibly, it, he may have a tough time getting down into the 12% bracket, but, but for last year, the 12% bracket is basically at, uh, 108,000 AGI. Once you take out the, uh, the standard deduction, it pushed you below that 82. At 82, it went for, for married couples taxable. 82,000 above that is 22%. Uh, so he, he's, you know, he might be able to get it down to that point. And, and that's where you really say that's the big savings is keeping it in the 12% bracket. Right. Another, another thing about keeping it in the 12% bracket, as long as you're in the 12% bracket, uh, uh marginally, if you have any capital gains, your capital gains is zero. Yeah, it's only when yeah, you get above that eighty-two thousand taxable. Uh, there are a lot of good points there that people that that if they can try to keep themselves in that range, uh, and sometimes you can. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it for last year, uh, but but lo- sometimes you can't uh, do that. But if you possibly can, utilize all of that retirement uh, deferral to be able to do whatever you can to keep it down in that in that amount. Um, and uh, so, so like I say, they, they've, um, you know, like we really have a lot at our disposal until the, until the QBI goes away. Uh, and, and we got three more years after 20, we got 22 and then 23, 24 and 25. And then it sunsets at the end of 2025. Um, so, you know, it'll have to be a, we'll have to have an election uh, in 24 that would make that, that possibly keep moving forward. Uh, it'll have to be in another another bill at Congress because they did sunset the Trump tax cuts of 2017. Yeah, and, I forgot uh, about so, that. But uh, yeah, forgot about that. Mm-hmm. yeah, everything in that Trump tax cut, uh, uh, the uh, the the uh, corporate tax cut. That's the reason we got the QBI was because the corporate tax cut was uh, taxes were going twenty one uh, from thirty five down to twenty one percent. What about the twenty percent pass through? That is that's the QBI. That that's the uh, qualified business income expense. That that's what we call the Trump tax cut. The twenty percent, yeah, that goes out. That goes away at the end of twenty twenty five. Oh, that's awful. Uh, we'll be that was to such that a great, yeah, yeah, that, oh. yeah. We, it, it was, and and it and it gave us. It was a bone to throw to small business because big business was able to drop. They dropped their uh, their, corporate, their, their tax right. rate thirty five percent down to twenty one. Yeah, right. the corporate seat. Uh, schedule, I mean, uh, the uh, C Corp, right, d- down to twenty one percent, and that's and that's the reason we got the the QBI, yeah, and uh, so you know, that'll be one that'll be going away too. So you know, uh, you know, like I say, we got some good things we can use. You know that that was probably the most small business friendly tax plan I had ever seen. Other than the unintended consequence oh, yeah. of wiping out the per diem for truck drivers, that that was a, a, an anomaly. It wasn't meant to be. That that's what we call unintended consequences. You start screwing with the tax code, no matter how good yeah. it is, somebody's yeah. going to get screwed because it's just too complicated. Well, most most companies, yeah, yeah, most companies have gone to the uh, per diem reimbursement. Now yeah. to take care of that issue yeah. because that's a <clears throat> that's five thousand. It's a big deal. Tax for every it's a big, every big company deal. driver yeah. out there. That's that's a tax so, savings of five grand. Yeah. So uh, yeah. so you know I I saw 
um, Biden the other day bragging about how many new small businesses have been formed in the last couple of years and trying to take credit for it. I can't think of a single thing that him or the Democrats have done that have made this more small business friendly. It's the exact opposite. Everything they've done made everything more difficult for small business. If we've had some sort of a small business boom, it was because of Trump's tax cuts in 2016, nothing else. Exactly. They, uh, they, 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 this is strictly going by Saul Alinsky's, you know, rules for radicals. Yeah. What you know, tell them what, what is up is down and down yeah. is up. Yeah. I mean, they're going to, they're going to, yeah, they're going to gaslight. They're going to lie. And, and that happens. Like I say, we, we've got to fight over that in the next few years, but, uh, but we got a lot of things. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, I, you know, I've done my taxes all my life. I was like you had done my taxes all my life, but with more, you know, real estate things and, 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 and other things, Going in it now, I got in touch with uh, your with yeah. Travis group. <laughs> Good, got the I got it. We've got a great, we got a great trucking uh, CPA over there, Blake Rowley. Blake is um, excellent. That yeah. is fantastic. He's excellent. Um, so, so uh, you know, I have I have moved to them for this year and and going forward. I, I really like uh, the fact that he's he's very very good at communicating. That's the biggest problem. Most of them they. They don't communicate very well, right. uh, or they don't know truck. So, right. Uh, but they they are great. Just want to give give a give an endorsement to anybody else out there. Uh, I'm I'm very wary about you know having somebody else do my taxes, but I know I need to be doing that. You knew, you saw that need for yourself once you started growing the, the store side of things of where you, you were know. at when you were in trucking, and I'm sure you were doing yours up up through then <laughs> at least. You know, and uh, but you just. Most people won't understand this, but you'll appreciate this. The year that I decided I had to give my tax return to somebody else was the first year I got stuck in the alternative minimum tax. I yeah, was so yeah. Yeah. lost. So they, they will find a way to keep I, you out of that. <laughs> I had, yeah. no, I, I did my tax return. I had a number in, you kind of know before you sit down to do your tax return, how much you're going to owe, right? Correct. You've yeah, done it close. enough to know how much profit there was. You can kind of do the math in your head. You know, I can come within a couple thousand dollars of what I'm going to owe, except that year, I was like $30,000 off with my estimate. And I thought, what did I screw up? And I started looking through the tax return, and all of a sudden, all these forms started popping up for the alternative minimum tax. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, you, one, one reason the alternative minimum tax has, uh, has it's creeped up on the middle class now. Because uh, when it started in the early 80s, it was only for the super, super, duper exactly. rich, rich, like the, the top one, one-tenth of one percent. <laughs> right. But guess what? They never indexed it. They never indexed anything in the alternative minimum tax. So all of the inflation over 40 years, those numbers are the same as they were in the early 80s. So it, it, every year it grabs more and more people in it. And so, yeah, that, that is another good reason to find someone like like Blake or Travis and, and use them well they they that was when they got me out of it they said no we need to do this to make sure you don't yeah. keep falling into that here's the thing that makes me crazy about the AMT the IRS writes a whole bunch of rules on how we have to do our taxes 
the better you are at following those rules, the most more likely you are to be penalized by the AMT. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the AMT is not indexed. It keeps it keeps grabbing you more and more the closer you get to it every year. Uh, and like I say, it, it's it's not just grabbing the one tenth of one percent. Now is there there's you know two to five percent of people that have to to work around it now find a way to work around it. You know, you know it's so, like it, it's like creating um, yeah, a. a, a, that's, a that's, it's like creating a sport or a game that says as soon as you start winning, a new rule kicks in to make sure you lose. Correct, correct. And, and the, you know, they've indexed most everything in our tax system, just right. about all. Why didn't the they other index thing this? they didn't index is they didn't index that. They also didn't index people that are receiving Social Security from the early 80s, the numbers, the amount that is taxed. The, the numbers have stayed the same all these years. So every year, oh, more yeah. and more people are taxed on their Social Security. Um, you know, for, for like us, it'll be 85% will be taxed. But, uh, but you know, but the thing is, there are so many people that weren't taxed, but more and more every year because that number stays static. But people's Social Security checks have gone up, and they might have a little income. It doesn't take a whole lot of income now to throw you over a threshold to have to start paying taxes on, on the Social Security. And, you know, obviously that was, that was money you paid a lot of tax on all the, all over the years, and uh, that was that was one of the downsides at the time. Was that was their way of one of their ways of saving Social Security in 1983 uh, was to put that in there. But they should have indexed it. Yes, it would have hurt revenue coming in some uh, over the years. You know, the further you got away from it, but it would have been a lot fairer. I mean, indexing is is just fair. Uh, at least you know. what they you know that's what they they need to do that on everything um you know our our, our standard deduction went from like 26 and change up to 28 about twenty-eight thousand five hundred for this year because of all that inflation last year right. it was indexed and right. that helps more and more that helps more people as they got more money in wages because of the in, inflation it's not going to kick them up you know above that too much so where they're where they're hurt bad from it but uh it's you know like I say, if you can keep your if you can keep people and i try to work with people uh you know just informationally to help them think to keep yourself do what you got to do to keep yourself in the 12 percent bracket if you can do that you got a lot of things that go your way in the taxes because 12 percent tax plus whatever state you got we got five in north carolina that's not really bad taxes to pay overall, right you know no uh, i could live I've, with that i've got some and 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 Right, I can too. Now I've got some that's above that amount. I'm at 22. percent But what most people think is all of your money is at 22. percent It's just the amount above that 82,000 for night for 2022 and 88,000 for 2023 is then the, that's the next bracket for those dollars above that. Um, and so you know, and, and so most people think that you're paying it on all of it. You're not. Uh, so right now, at this point, we, we, we've been a fairly decent with our tax system as far as what we end up having to pay. It always seems too much. But when you look at these other com- countries, the middle class paying 50%, you're sitting there just saying, no way. <laughs> I'm just not doing it. You know, it's cradle to grave stuff. You know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, that we don't want to do that here. So, but you know, we have to keep them, keep the politicians in check, and you know, we're, we're going to have to do something by that. We need to make that into a really good um, uh, campaign issue in twenty twenty four about the yes. about the tax. Yep, absolutely. Ele- so, elections have consequences. Sure. 
they do in, in all kinds of ways. Now, I always tell people, set your business up so you can make money no matter who's which which there you set go. of crooks are involved there you <laughs> uh, go. in charge. So make you know, set yourself up to do the best you can. But yep. but overall. Well, we enjoy the show. Appreciate everything you guys do for us. Thank all you. All right. Talk to you soon. Let's go to Wisconsin. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey Kevin, how are you? Good. What's on your mind today? So, on this artificial intelligence, how do you think the woke culture that we're in now is going to affect that? Not in a good way. Um, as a matter of fact, somebody did a lot. Chat GPT has only been out for about a month or so. Um, I forget the exact date they released it. But a lot of people have been in there, you know, trying to learn as much as they can about it. I've been in there the last couple of days trying to figure out, can we use this? What what kind of things do we have to watch out for? Um, I've already seen at least two people report that many of the results that are coming back are way too woke. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. You wonder if, you know, this they, they knew this was coming down the pipe, and do you think that that's, the, that's why they want to go this direction? They, You know, in some things, they just want to change our history in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we have to remember... So we have this this open AI company that they're sharing all their code and their programming, and that's their it's their AI. Google has been working on AI for a long time. All the big tech companies have, but we have to remember everybody's AI is going to be different. Well, correct. Yeah, and. Uh you know, he's still, the problem is, you know what? Is that here's a, here's all a, this to work. Here's a weird way to think about this. I, let's say we're seeking advice again. You know, I'm, I'm going to use myself as an example. I have lots of information on how to be a good, successful owner-operator. I have lots of information on financial planning. I have lots of information on health. I have to look at these chatbots as competition, it, it's and and each chat bot like each individual somebody may decide they don't like my advice so they listen to somebody else that gives advice about trucking well chat bots and ai is going to be the same way i i may not like all the ai i may find a specific ai that i like it kind of like i find people that i like that's what's so scary about this well you know, also, uh, what about all the suppression? I mean, we know that every, you know, media, every social media site has suppresses information. What would stop this from suppressing information? Yeah, you know, when I, like the answer that I got when I said, is it healthier to be a vegan or a carnivore? And it came back with, you could be healthy doing both as long as you pay attention to nutrient density. And it, 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 that's really not a correct answer. Right. Hey, why don't you, why don't you type in this? What's the definition of a woman or what's the definition of a oh, man? Oh, somebody did that, I think. Somebody did that. If I remember right, that was one of the first things somebody did. I, I should go back and open that back up and um, see what – I forget what 
happened with that? I think that was part of the article that I was reading, and somebody said some of the results are just way too uh, way too woke. And then, you know, earlier you were talking about morals. Now let's throw a huge monkey wrench in there. Now let's interject religion into the moral question. Oh, that, that, well, isn't that where many or most of our morals kind of came from was some sort of religion? That's, yeah, everything. Right. I mean, morals basically was all religion belief. So let's take whatever particular religion that's 180 degrees different from another religion in regards to morals. You know, look at the, you know, the, um, and again, let's take the, uh, the one aspect of, you know, Muslim, right? Uh, that fascist type, you know, belief that they have, right? So who's to say, who's going, who's going to, uh, you know, when you start adding all that stuff in there, um, it really is going to complicate things. And, you know, in the world that we live in, People want to be told what to do. They don't want to do your own research. Look how it is now. Oh, I know. So I, I actually went back and typed it in, and uh, I'm pretty impressed with their answer. They got it right. I, I My question was, what is the definition of a woman? And the answer is, a woman is an adult human female, typically distinguished biologically by the presence of two X chromosomes and the ability to bear offspring or give birth. That's a correct answer. They threw in another sentence, and this is the sentence that worries me. Social and cultural definitions of womanhood vary greatly, but typically include qualities such as femininity and adulthood. So half the answer is very technically correct. The other answer, half the answer is very, very woke. Basically, it includes qualities such as femininity and adulthood. So I guess all of the soy boys are really women. Well, that's the definition you got today. What will be tomorrow or next week or next year? And, you know, the one thing that this AI doesn't have, it doesn't have the ability to reason, and it doesn't have the human experience uh, to help make those decisions. What what is reasoning? Well, reasoning is, well... I would argue, and I mentioned this earlier, I would argue... Reasoning is nothing more than pattern recognition. Right. I understand that. But if the information that this particular device is getting, if the information is skewed, then the decision-making is going to be skewed, just like in humans, correct? Uh, Well, hold on, because I was just about to say, Tim... People have to know that that my information that I based all of my data on was correct. They just have to trust me. And the only way they can trust me is that I've proven enough times that my information is usually correct. 
just over years and years, I've proven enough times that, no, if you follow my advice, things usually get better. And then enough people have come to trust that. Couldn't we trust a really good AI that was written properly? Therein lies the problem. Who determines what exactly is right? Which, you know, we have we we don't have much problem knowing that a backhoe is f- a far better way of digging a foundation than by hand, right? Correct. We we would all agree that that backhoe. There's no way you could argue trying to dig a foundation by hand is better than using a backhoe. I mean, it's just not. There's just no way you could ever argue. The the machine is far better. Even with thinking, we've already gone down the path. Would any of us ever try to compete against a calculator in a math contest? Never. No, we'd get our ass kicked. Every single time. So we do know that machines and even electronic machines or thinking machines, or they don't really think yet, but they're about to, we agree they are better at those things than we are. And we use them every day because they're better. This could be the same way, but this could also go really, really wrong. Well, and the other thing is, is it doesn't take into consideration experience. No, it does. It does. See, that's the thing. If we give it access to all of the material I've written my whole life, it now has my experience. Maybe not all of it, because I didn't get everything out of my head and onto paper. But if it uses my experience and then it goes and it uses Joel's experience around fuel economy and it uses Henry's and it uses Steve Crohn's and and all the other guys that are getting 10 plus miles to the gallon. Now, not only does it have my experience, it has the experience of 100 people like me. Well, it has data. It has data. Well, that's all but I what have. It doesn't have. That's all I have. I have data, well, and I have the ability to it, recognize but, patterns. That's it. I can look you, at the data and are, say, when you do this, this tends to happen. When you do this, this tends. That's what experience is. Experience is me looking at data, finding patterns, and saying, do this because when you do this, is the outcome you get. That's all thinking really seems to be just pattern recognition. True, but you also have to have common sense. What is common you sense, know, though? Really? Common sense, well, I would argue, again, again is just a, pattern recognition. I see people that try to walk well, on water, well, and every time they try to walk on water, they sink and they get wet. One of them even drowned and died. Well, that's common sense. Don't walk on water. Don't try to walk on water. That's common sense. No, it's just pattern recognition. Well, I don't know. I, uh, you know, common sense to me is your life experience, right? Now, sure, 
the, Correct. What you the patterns you have have observed your whole life. That you're you're exactly right. right. I'm agreeing right. with you. That's what common sense is. You have watched these patterns over and over. Yeah. Now look. If if you just landed here from another planet and you see water, it, there's nothing about common sense that would tell me I can't walk on that water. Well, true, but here's here. Let me throw this at you. If maybe this will help you understand. Uh, recently, a woman on TV uh, was at a pro-life uh, rally, and her story was was that that. I think it was 30 weeks or 31 weeks. She had twins and the doctors based on their experience, based on the data told her that she needed to abort one of these for the other one to survive. That's based on their data, their information and their experience. Uh, Well, lo and behold, she didn't do that. She gave birth, and both of those children survived. So, what experience or um, did that woman have? I, that's that. That's that thing that a computer cannot do. A computer can only analyze data, like you said. Well, hold on. But it, it, you're it, you're it's correct. Missing that, it's missing you're, that. You're you're correct. I have to believe that it's the physicians instinct. were playing the odds. Pattern recognition. And that, most of and the time. What? Most of the right. time, this would be the outcome. Not every time. Just most of the time. So they, okay. they, they still about, weren't wrong. Okay. Okay, woman goes in, uh, she's got abdominal pain, and they find out that she's got a gallbladder that's giving her trouble, and what's the first thing they say? Hey, we're going to take your gallbladder. Well, why? Well, you don't really need it. You don't need to have that. You can survive without it. Based on the data, based on what they normally do, that would make sense. But based on what you know or I know, that doesn't make sense. Maybe in well, an no, extreme you're, 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 you're missing something here. This has nothing to do with artificial intelligence. This is nothing more than, but, hold on, we're just assuming that they want a certain outcome and we got the outcome wrong. They're out, their goal is not to make you as healthy as you can possibly be. That's the problem here. This has nothing to do with artificial intelligence. Our medical system so is well, not so set the up. People, it's their, their outcome, the outcome they're trying for is not to make you healthier. The outcome they're shooting for is to make so more Kevin, money. So clearly taking out so somebody's Kevin, gallbladder, even if it doesn't need to be taken out, is good for their outcome. They make more money. Mission accomplished. And goes back to the original statement. Who determines that in the AI? Who determines, who determines that it in the human who beings? That in who, who determined that the healthcare system was going to be set up to make profit, not to make people healthy? Who determined that? Well, I would have to say the, uh, the system itself determined that. So the system itself will determine it again. 
It already has well, determined it because we that, know that artificial intelligence is going to use the data already available. If you use the data already available, there are way more doctors saying, when you have this size of a gallstone, we have to take your gallbladder out. So that's what's going to happen. The new AI will be kind of just like the old decision making, except a computer's doing it instead of a right. human. I'm not saying it's better. But again, I'm just saying it, it, it's. But again, it, it's kind of the same. We're we're we we were we're kind of okay with machines doing our work for us. Nobody wants to walk 20 miles. They want to get in a machine and let it do it for you. Now we're just saying we're so going to we're going to let we're going to let machines and computers do our pattern recognition for us. So here's the problem. Medicine is a science, correct? What's well, supposed and to be? Science is right. And science is what? Continually changing. It's supposed so to be, but it's not. In the, look, I I'm, well, I'm not on. disagreeing so with you. I agree thing. with you. But the point is is this. So eight years ago, when you started your journey into diet and medicine and all that, um, your feelings before that are a lot different than they are now, right? So as the information changes, I hear what you're saying about, oh, if you've got an eight millimeter gallstone, um, we need to go in and take out. I understand that. But as the science changes, uh, which it has for some, right? I mean, there's information out there now, but it's a small amount. At what point does the AI say, well, hey, listen, uh, things things are changing. Things have changed in the last we don't, 100 years. Things we don't need. The, we don't know that. We don't need to wait for the, the AI to change. What if I just decided I'm going to go get together with Dr. Wolfson and Dr. Hyman and I'm going to get all of the natural practitioners together and we're going to write an AI bot? And we will have well, it, we will have it cue in on our information instead. Right. And the way our society is today... Um, no one wants to go and figure or learn or do anything on their own. They want to be told. Oh, so that's that why this is, is going to be so big. Problem. This is going to be huge. It's going to be huge, but it also can be very, very destructive as well. Not can, it, you said it can be destructive. I would go one step further. It's going to be destructive. I can almost guarantee it. Without a doubt. And, and a big part of it is because of hey, what you just you. said. People would much rather just do the, to type in a question and listen to anybody other than have to think themselves. Kevin, who makes more money on this planet in business? Pharmaceuticals, right? Yeah. So when the pharmaceuticals go in there and say you're at home and you go, geez, you know, uh, I, I might have diabetes and I type in there, boy, what what do I need to do if I have diabetes? Oh, you need to first take of metformin, course. you need yes. to do this, and you need I, to do that. So, Tim, this is why I'm, I'm talking about it. This is why I'm, we're going to be talking about it a lot. How many times have you heard me say to somebody, at some point, I, I get to a point where I say, look, I, I don't want you to keep asking me questions. I want you to start learning. How many times have you heard me say that over the years? Right. I mean, I love helping people and answering their questions, but at some point, 
I, I want people to kind of catch on and realize you could go learn this on your own. Don't depend on me like to you, answer you, all your questions. And I tell them that. AI is never going to tell right. anybody that. AI wants you to, de- to depend right. on it. And I'm trying to warn people, right. be careful, because AI, I, I, I hate to say this, but the comparison that AI is going to be just like people, some you can trust and some you can't. Right, but as you know, that advice you give, very few people are going to do that. I agree, very I know. Very few people are going I know. to read and study um, and well, the, let's let's know, go one step really, further. Because of AI, people are going to do even less of it. It's going to be worse, right? No doubt. Right, I agree. It's going yeah. that, the problem you outlined is going to get worse. That's hey, why well, I want to, to warn people: so, understand how this really works. Understand that that AI bot that you're using, and there's going to be, this is going to explode. <laughs> This is going to be everywhere, but we still have to remember some human being wrote the AI. It's not foolproof. It's not always right. It's not even close to always being right. Yeah. Picture, uh, you know, in the future, not, not that far away, even today, someone goes in to see their doctor, and what does the doctor do? Jeez. Let me go find out what AI has to say about this. Well, I've even said for the last couple of years, I have said, based on the way our medical system works, why do we even need doctors? We just need a kiosk. Let me walk up and type in my symptoms, and it will tell me what drug I should take. <laughs> that that would be much better than what we have well, today. Well, hold on. Here's what we need. We need level one trauma centers, right? Uh, because that's the real magic in medicine. Yes, I agree. And then, like, and then, and then, kiosk would be fine. I, I think or, so. I, I'm not. I'm not kidding when I say that. The way most doctors but, operate but today, we don't even need artificial intelligence to replace most doctors. They don't have to think. The doctors don't have to think. The doctors are just told, if the cholesterol number is over this, you have to prescribe a statin. Well, hell, a kiosk can do that. Correct. Hey, you'll have your mobile device will be your portable kiosk. Well, no. You're right. You're right. Well, I, I don't need to go to a kiosk somewhere. You know, right. you know, we yeah. we just recently started talking about how excited we are that these mental illnesses are nothing more than metabolic illnesses. That's exciting. We used to think these things were complicated. Nobody really understands them. And well, that's not true. That's exciting, except. We're going the opposite way. I just watched a commercial yesterday, some well-known actress, and she walks out and she says, uh, you know, my anxiety level is through the roof. What are we going to do today? And there's seven more of her sitting around in the living room. One is the one is the wild child. One's the busy one. And she says, what are we going to do today so we're not so anxious? And one of them says, well, you just have to stay busy. And they all have an answer. And she says, we've tried all of those things. There's nothing wrong with saying 
we may need a medication. And it's a medication that you can now just order online. You don't even need to go to a doctor anymore. You go to this website, you put in your symptoms, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I eat too much, whatever it is, and they'll send you some mental health medication that doesn't work. Well, the ultimate scary thing about all this is all all social media uh, suppresses information, right? And over this weekend, I don't know if you saw or heard, you know, uh, Elon Musk has had some independent people come into his facility at Twitter, and he has come out and said Twitter was designed to be able to suppress information and people. It was That was the reason it was built, and they're having a hard time fixing it. They're thinking they're going to have to scrap it all because... When they try to go in and write code to fix one thing, it changes something else down the road. So that's one, well, it's one big social media network. Now, if we're going to rely on people to write code for this intelligence, (laughs) I I just, you know, I I don't don't know how that, I mean, you're right, it'll be huge. You know, there's, there's how do you verify what's going on? Well, you want me to make this a whole lot worse? No. <laughs> well, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to anyway, um, whether you like it or not. Um, have, have you heard the term deep fake? Deep fake, no. Here's what a deep fake is right now. They are completely able now. There's lots of examples. You can go find examples all over the internet. They are now able to completely manipulate video and make any human being sound like they said something they never said. And it is next to impossible to catch. And I'll tell you, I've been reading about this for about a year. And I've watched the examples. They are incredible how realistic this is. But there's a case right now, and people are starting to question. You know, have you been following the, what's his name, Damar Hamlin, the football player? That, oh, yeah. That, so yeah. here's what's been going on. He collapsed on the field. Everybody saw it because it was on national TV. So now everybody's questioning it. What happened to him? What We want to know. the. Nobody knows much of anything anymore. He's, he's alive, they told us, and all of a sudden, for the last week, people started questioning the only video that was available with that has him on it, and they, they analyzed it all, and they said, you never get to see his face. There's no proof that that was really him in that video. All of a sudden, DeMar well, Hamlin shows up in a video. Like a couple days later, all of a sudden he shows up in a video and he's saying, no, everything's fine. Here I am. Somebody (laughs) cut out a couple of tiny little pieces and it looks like there might be tattoos missing. That's a possibility. The other possibility is what if that video is a deep fake? (laughs) Right? Well. Then we're all it's possible. We're all in more, more tr- we're all in more trouble than we are now. That's for sure. I I know. That's what I'm afraid of. That's why we have to stay on top of this and figure this out. That that video could be a deep fake. 
So the advice you gave a few weeks ago, uh, maybe longer, you talked about getting back on Twitter. So I got on Twitter and uh, I don't post that at all, but I follow a bunch of people. I, you, I follow you and uh, people should do that because what's, you know, and again, it's not all 100%, but it's pretty good. Just to get yourself aware of what's going on. And after watching that, I'm surprised that people work anymore, like our Congress. I mean, I know oh, they have staff. Oh, I hey, mean, that's all they do is tweet it. Hey, I mean, all day see, long. Speaking of which, I, I almost forgot about this. I'm talking about AI. I follow an AI chat bot on Twitter. The AI bot produces all of its own original content. It's actually some pretty good stuff, too. Yeah, I'm following yeah. artificial intelligence on Twitter. There are accounts on Twitter that were created by artificial intelligence, and all of the posting is done by the artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's, and like I said, what's interesting is Elon Musk now, he's opened up his doors, so... You're seeing, like I said, all this stuff that he is saying is going on, and it's not a hundred. It's not fixed, and all these reports that are coming out, I, it, it is. You know, we're at a we're at a crossroads in our country. You know what? What do we want to do? You know, uh, what direction do we want to go? And what is driving all this? Is it all just dollars and cents driving it? I think so. Um, here, prime, prime example. Uh, so those five policemen that beat and killed that black man, uh, where is that in the news today? That happened on Friday, right? So where is that today? It's pretty much left the news cycle now. Right. Right? Right. And... And you and you say why? You know. Well, because it doesn't fit their narrative. Crazy. Well, exactly. When George Floyd was killed, that thing never left the narrative. In fact, it's still in the narrative. Correct. Right. And, and this was worse, far worse, in so not, many ways. Kevin, not even. Not even. You know, I told you. You know what I used to do. This is not even in not even close to George Floyd. No, not even close. No. Nope. It's so bad. Those five cops should go to prison for what they, the max sentences, and they, that should be done. They that acted like done. animals, pure animals. That was disgusting. Yeah. Now, so was so was Derek Chauvin and and or um. What's his name? I just drew a blank. Um, that was disgusting, too. Rodney King? The, it, no, it wasn't Rodney King. Derek Chauvin was just the one, and we just mentioned his name. I just forgot. Oh, George Floyd. George Floyd, George yeah, Floyd. That, was, that was Chauvin. It, that was disgusting, too. It was really only one person that did the damage, and he could kind of sort of say, well, I was using my training, and this guy was on drugs. There's a possibility that's why he died, or at least they contributed to his death. Here we have five people, maybe even seven. There's a couple more they're bringing in now that showed up later. They're, they're suspended, maybe charged, that acted like pure animals. And for the most part, yeah, and the EMS, and for the most part, I'm not going to say he fully cooperated. He didn't. 
There, there were many opportunities that I think he could have. You know, at one point they had him on the ground. They're trying to get his hands behind his back and get him cuffed. And he keeps turning towards them and talking to them. And they're saying, get on the ground. And he's saying, I'm on the ground. And they're saying, no. Had he rolled over onto his stomach and put his hands behind his back, hopefully that would have just ended it. You know, it's possible that they might have taken a couple cheap shots and kicked him or something. But I have a feeling he might still be alive. So we still, and I'm not blaming him. People have to understand, I'm not blaming him. I'm saying, if you're ever in a situation like that, you might want to use a little bit of common sense and maybe save your own life. But these five at least acted like pure animals. Well, right, and, you know, five big policemen can't handcuff a one person. That, that, is, that is a problem. And they have tasers and pepper spray. Five bigger people no. with weapons, and you couldn't get handcuffs on this guy? Yeah, doesn't make sense. But, you know, that, uh, what's her name? Avina King uh, spoke about this, and she hit it on the head. We've lost our, our reason to, for humanity, you know, how we feel about people in general. We treat, well, not all of us, but people treat other people like dogs, like animals. You treat your dog better yeah, than we treat people. Yeah. And, and that, that is a problem. You look at that video, just how they tore him out of the car. I've never seen that unless, you know, there's circumstances. Something, they just, they, something happened before the video started to get them so riled up. There's no doubt about that. I don't know what it is. Nobody seems to be talking. And, and not that it matters. Because no matter what he did, they should not have responded the way they did. So it's not an excuse. Nobody's trying to make an excuse. But I will say, that was not a normal traffic stop. Something else occurred that we didn't get to see. Correct. Correct. And uh, although, funny, you know, all those cops knew they had body cams, right? That's, that's the so weird they thing, knew, right? Yeah. They knew that they were being recorded. What were they thinking? Um, and again, you know, I, uh, the only thing, I, I would say this, you know, they were in a, a elite, well, I won't say elite, but they were in a special unit, right, doing undercover and special stuff. And, you know, they were the spearhead of that particular unit. And, you know, it's no different than when people get together and, you know, you get that mentality, that group mentality. But again, these are police officers that are trained, you know. I know. Well, not what trained, they're, they're not saying, trained well enough, they're, obviously. What they're saying is, well, you know, uh, the, the attorneys are speaking now. And this is what's funny to me. Well, yeah, it's horrible what happened, but my client didn't do this or my client yeah, right. didn't do that. Your client you're, also didn't stop anybody from doing all the wrong stuff. Exactly. Exactly. And it, you know, it's, I, the only thing I could say is picture if it was five white police officers that done that, 
our country would be still on fire. We we would we'd I, still I, be burning down everything. I honestly think an incident like that could create a civil war. Yes, and, and let me ask you this. Where are all the Democrats with their outrage, right? Where are they? Well, it doesn't fit right? their narrative. Oh, this wasn't he, racial. They, he was no, crying hey, for hey, his Tim, mother. Some of, them, some of them are out there. Some of them are, are out there, right. you know, screaming about this. But it doesn't fit their narrative, though. They want this to be. It's so some of them have gone so far to say, even though it was black on black crime, that this occurred because of white supremacy. That's how ridiculous right. they're that's, willing that's, to be. That's, right. So meanwhile, in Chicago, the mayor this weekend is out at some jamboree, right? And 30 people were shot, mostly blacks, and seven were killed just this weekend. And the mayor that's, is out at a festival dancing and doing her thing, and well, nobody cares. Tim, because that's just a normal weekend in Chicago. That's <laughs> just business as usual in Chicago. Those aren't uns the surprising uh, yeah. numbers. Yeah, you can count, you know, you can count every year at least, you know, 700 to 1,000 people being dead in Chicago. And yeah. no one, okay, what's the big deal? Yeah. It's not a big deal. So, anyway, that's all I have. All right. That's all we need. Thanks for the call. All right. We're going to go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind today? I have a, well, I have a question for you. All right. You, know, you guys were talking, you were talking about all that civil unrest and all, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's a term and you've used it. Everybody has W O K E woke. Yeah. From what I can tell, that is nothing more. Am I right? That that is just the left who basically has their head up their ass and doesn't believe they're responsible for anything. Is that what that means? Kind of. I mean, it, it, it encompasses a lot of the issues that the left are facing, like critical race theory in schools and trans, um, I, I, this, this whole trans issue that men can menstruate and men can get pregnant and I, this whole new, you know, we can create 87 Whatever. different genders um, we're not creating genders. There are only two genders. We all know that. There are lots of sexual preferences. That's all you're creating. You, you just created a new sexual preference. You haven't created some new gender. Genders don't change. Just because I cut parts off of my body does not make me a woman. Um, but, but that's a woke thing. So they think completely different. That if you want to be a woman, all you have to do is say you're a woman and, and you identify as one. Now you become one. That's a woke issue. Teaching our children in school that if you are white, you are a suppressor by nature. And if you're any color other than white, you are suppressed by nature. That that's what CRT is. And, and you know, a lot of people don't agree with that. So this woke, you're right, it encompasses a lot of issues that seem to be extreme from what we've always known. 
And you guys talking about that horrible crime over now, the weekend. Before we switch, could, let me you can let, look at let me give you another okay. saying you might start to see. I just posted this the other day. Um, it, people are kind of fighting back a little bit on this whole woke thing. The phrase is I'm awake, but certainly not woke. I'm awake. I see what's <laughs> going on, but I'm not woke. <laughs> but you can go to anything like that. You can go to the people that are hooked on drugs. What did they do? They figured out, Narcan so that you can't kill yourself. You can rob stores. You can steal cars. You can break into a house and beat people to oblivion. All of these things, there aren't consequences for actions, regardless of race. There's no consequence for actions. I think that's at the root of all of it. Oh, there I don't is disagree. no consequence for anything. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I mean, we started kind of... I mean, Donald Trump supposedly had classified stuff. Now Joe Biden, classified stuff. Now Mike Pence, classified stuff. Does Ronald Reagan have the Iran-Contra paperwork in his casket? He might. I mean, how do we know? There's no consequences for action. I think that they took paddling out of school. They took prayer out of school. They don't even want... Our flag up. You know, Our I, flag of the United States that my dad died in war defending. They don't even want that. You know, you know what happened? Well, you, nope. you know how this snuck up on us so much? You just hit it. This started in schools. You know, I've been Absolutely. I've been jokingly referring to our school system, our public school system. I've said this phrase a thousand times. The, the, our, our government indoctrination centers. I mean, that, that's really what our schools have become. And this started decades ago, and we didn't realize it. We didn't know that the schools were teaching this kind of stuff. It was very insidious. And it was so all of a sudden we started thinking, why, why is this new next generation thinking so differently? Well, they've been taught to think this way. We're way, yeah. way, way behind the curve here. We're about a generation behind the curve. Oh, my God. So I'll try to make this quick. The other day when I talked to you and I was basically wigging out to a degree. Yeah. When I came, when I came home that day, I was probably at the house for an hour, something like that. Nothing really happened. I just tinkering around the house, gathering up garbage and loading the dishwasher, whatever. All of a sudden, Kevin, I'm telling you, my freaking chest, like right in between, right at the breastbone where your heart is, my heart started racing like, oh, my God. It's like, what the hell is that all about? It took about an hour for it to go away. And I guess that was some kind of an anxiety attack. Panic thing, attack, maybe? anxiety I attack. Don't know. It, no, it is. That's exactly what you experienced. It, and it took a while to get everything calmed down. I was just about to drive to the ER, but I kept thinking no. So I did my breathing and whatnot, and I got it calmed down. I could. And after that, that happened, 
after that happened later that night, or maybe it was the next morning. I don't remember something clicked in my head. And I said, you know what? I was saying nothing I was doing was working. Fuck it. Well, I decided to use that very same word the other way. And I've felt a whole sight better. It's not gone. I'm sure. Well, good. But good. It, it's definitely better. But here's the weird thing. And this, this I've been noticing for a long, long time. I'm using the headset right now just for clarity. When I use a headset or when I read like on an iPad or a computer, you know, you scroll the screen. Yeah. I get, I get, it's not a dizzy feeling like you're going to fall over, but it's a dizzy Dis- feeling that you can feel lightheaded. Yeah. And the feeling is on top of my head, like above the ears and down into the temple like what in the world is that it will not go away so it's your i'm going to oversimplify because i have to this is what we refer to as adrenal fatigue that's not technically correct but it's how we refer to it you we we have if i took you out right now and i made you dig a ditch for 12 hours straight and and when you stopped, I, you know, threatened. No, to, I'm using the backhoe. No, no, no backhoes. <laughs> Smartass. <laughs> I'm, stand, I'm standing there to, with a, with a whip. And if you slow down, I'm going to beat you with the whip. At the end of that time, what would your physical body be like? You would be well, wiped I would out, right? Be a I mean, you, you on the ground, and, and it might even be hard <laughs> be a to re- on the ground. It, it might even be hard to recover from that. But let's say we gave you some fluids and some supplements, and we gave you a little bit of time to rest, so you could just start to recover enough that you could get up and start shoveling again. And we force you to shovel all day long, and at the end of the day, you collapse. And then we give you just enough nutrients and just enough rest that we can bring you back and do it again. Are you ever going to recover from this? It uh, sounds like it'd be pretty hard. No way. Right. And that's what we do to our nervous system every day. We don't do it to our physical body through physical labor, but we do it to our nervous system every single day. We push it beyond its limit. And we've been doing that. And we don't really recover. We recover just enough to get through the next day. And we've been doing this for a long time. Our life keeps getting more complicated. It keeps getting more stressful because it keeps getting farther and farther away from how we evolved. We evolved out in the wild with the only thing we paid attention to was survival. That's it. Nothing else. You really just lived to survive. And it's what took all of your energy. Now we, we have all the social media, all the unrest. And, and did, did the world get a whole lot uglier and more stressful in 2020? Hell, hell yes. And that's why you're experiencing this, you and millions and millions of other people. It, we were all a little weak anyway because we our lifestyle just pushes us to the brink. And then we had this massive change in the world, and it pushed a lot of people right over the edge. And it is very, very difficult to recover from this. It's why I'm working on this protocol, and I want to get this right. Okay, so you told me to get 
I think you called it Rishi Coffee. Yes. And then you said about a cocoa and an elixir. I can't find that stuff on the internet. Maybe I'm just no. retarded. I can't. Uh, are you on our site? That. Well, not right this second, but I no. have looked. And it, I can't it, find that cocoa and stuff anywhere. Well, one of the reasons the, the Rishi cacao we keep running out of, which is starting to piss me off because oh, now no. I can't get it either. Um, which is well, no wonder I can't find it. Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. I come on here and I convince people to use this stuff because it works and then they buy it all and I don't have it anymore. Um, here's what I'm going to do when I put you on, I'm not going to hang up. I'm going to put you on hold and I'll have Morgan. Okay. We'll figure out what is in stock and what isn't. We'll, we'll get it to you. So there's three. Okay, so three really good ways of getting in Rishi right now. Rishi is one of the adaptogens that seems to be working really, really well for this overstressed condition we're in. Um, three, three products we have, and I'm taking all three. So we have a ground coffee that has reishi in it. So you just put the coffee in your coffee maker, you make coffee, and there's already reishi infused into the coffee. That's what I do in the morning. That's my NDK coffee in the morning with butter and coconut oil and light balance. It's just this coffee already infused with reishi. Then we have a, we'll, we'll call it hot chocolate, raw cacao, hot chocolate packets is what this is. Dump it in there, Add milk or water or cream, whatever you want. You make hot chocolate out of it. That's got a lot of reishi. Then we make what's called an elixir. The elixir is almost pure reishi. And I'll just throw the elixir in. You could throw the elixir in your coffee in the morning if you want. You can throw it in your hot chocolate in the evening. But I would recommend that you have the coffee in the morning and then the cacao in the evening and put the elixir in whichever one you want. doesn't really matter. Between those three products, you're going to okay. get enough reishi. Okay, so on the coffee, I'm not big onto super, super strong coffee, like five bucks, that's what I call it, because it's five bucks just to look at a cup of coffee. It's ridiculous. <laughs> when you the make that, when you when you make that, I typically use Folgers, and I know how much I use for how many cups and all that. Yeah, is that kind of coffee way stronger or way weaker when you make it? Because I don't want to make it crazy strong and waste it. I would go with less of this coffee than you use of Folgers. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, Bob. All right, I'm gonna. Put well, you appreciate it. on hold, and we will have uh, Morgan help you out. We'll see which uh, which one of those products we might be able to get. That is our last call of the. Is it almost eleven o'clock? Wow, I had no idea we'd gone that long today. Huh. I would have thought I'd only done about two hours by now. We're almost at three. Um, I think I'm just going to wrap this up for today. Um, we will be back tomorrow with the Power Hour. Uh, oh, I do have a question, but it's actually coming from internal. Um, Morgan says, we received a coffee on the gut health coffee. It says that as it has probiotics, but how do the probiotics live through the heat of the coffee? So 
one of the things we've always talked about with probiotics and good and bad bacteria, what kills it, what doesn't. You know, if we take an antibiotic, it tends to kill a lot of things, but we talk about natural antibiotics like oil of oregano and coconut oil. And there's this thought that it doesn't kill the good stuff. Then how much heat does it take? There, there are no hard and fast rules for this kind of stuff. There's a lot of this we still don't know and don't understand. Some strains of bacteria, of probiotics, may be killed very easily with heat. Other strains of bacteria may live longer in heat. Remember, when we go to make yogurt, some of our yogurt gets cultured at 100 degrees. Some of it gets cultured at 109 degrees. So there's clearly some bacteria that not only do better in higher temperatures, but need the higher temperatures to multiply. So just because we heat something up doesn't mean it's going to kill all the bacteria. We don't know how, how hot are we heating it and how long are we keeping it there. Are we killing some of the bacteria? We might. But one of the things that we really look for are results. So not always an easy answer on this bacteria thing, and there's still a lot we don't know. Remember um, uh, Dr. Davis um, is the one that really figured out the temperatures and the time and realized that we're not always killing bacteria when we do certain things. And, and Dr. Davis was the one that said, it's like it's 1981 again, and you're looking at an Atari. I kind of feel this way about two big areas. One, gut bacteria. I've been saying that for a couple of years. We are at the very, very beginning of this. There's a lot we still don't know. Now, I think that same thing with AI. I, I, you know, that was my topic today. A lot of similarities between those two things. And we're probably going to start using AI to help solve the bacteria issue. We've said that this is a really complicated area. Thousands of different strains of bacteria what does what? How are we ever going to figure this out? Well, it's very possible that we may use artificial intelligence to help us figure this out. Let's, uh, oh, another call snuck in while I was uh, bloviating there. Let's go to the phones in Indiana. Sarah and Vic, welcome. Hey, I just had a real quick thought to add on the prebiotics with coffee and probiotics. Well, you, you were talking about probiotics. I have a note on prebiotics. If you can, make your coffee in a French press instead of a uh, drip coffee maker with that fine paper filter. It's the same kind of thing as um, using, the, using the foam filter for your truck as opposed to the paper filter. Um, when we make coffee grounds, or actually you can do your gut a favor by throwing a little ground chicory in there too, um, with the French press, the mesh 
that that filters out the liquid actually lets some small indistinguishable fibers into your liquid. And those are good prebiotics for your gut bugs. Ah, good and, point. Um, take it for me, glass on the road is not your friend. Um, I have broken a couple, but I have the awesome um, steel, double-walled steel French press that I got at Bed Bath & Beyond like five years ago. And I'm still use it to this day. It's, it's, I uh, could not. I could not agree with you more. I have broken not even on the road at home. I have broken so many <laughs> glass French presses over the years. They are just way too fragile. So I I like the double yeah. walled steel. I don't have one, but I may get one of those. I have a stone. I love my my stone French press, like a. Um, oh, nice crock kind of the, like uh, i don't know what you'd call it um pottery kind of like a stone pottery kind of thing uh, i love that one and what i do is when i first start gathering up my supplies to make coffee i just fill that with boiling water and it kind of preheats the stone because mm-hmm. one of the problems i have with french yeah, press I, is by I, the time the the coffee's ready it's not hot enough for me anymore that's another great thing about the double wall right. the stainless steel right. is it keeps it so hot. Like I let, I don't use coffee in my French press. I use a blend of rasa, chicory, dandel, roasted dandelion root, and uh, creole root. And but I let that soak for fifteen minutes oh, while yeah. I'm making a little pot of espresso to, to mix in with it. Right. And. Um, that stuff is still so hot by the time I blend it, even after blending in the butter and the coconut oil and the collagen and, and all that stuff and give it to Nick. He's like, oh, why is it so hot? So that, that double old seal <laughs> is, is really good. And now I will tell you the size I got was like 30 ounces maybe, um, was $99. But like I said, I've had the same and used the same one for like five or six years. I, I was going to say that. That one, it ever, ever yeah, going bad. that one would last forever, and I don't think I've ever gotten a glass French press to last a year. I, I, they just break a lot. Right. The, the main point of my call was the using the French press as opposed to the paper filters. Number one, you'll have less garbage. Number two, the fine fibers that get in there are good prebiotics for your gut, especially if you can get some ground chicory and yeah. throw a little spoon of that in there. Yeah, um, Those will help feed your gut bugs too. That's a good point. You know, I use a Keurig for convenience, but we don't use the K-cups. Well, we do sometimes. I have some, We do get K-cups and I just really like that coffee. I, I'm not wild about that. I don't like the trash involved and you know, heating up my coffee in those little plastic cups. I'm not wild about that. So we have switched to the, where, where you just use your own reusable K-cup and you put your own coffee in it. Uh, and it has a metal mm-hmm. filter in it. And it, you can tell if you get down to the bottom of your coffee and what's left down there is, is really cloudy and kind of viscous. You're getting right. whole parts of the bean in your coffee and that's where the prebiotics are so if you use a Mm k-cup and and the reusable k-cups you can get that same benefit 
Okay, that's good to know. But yeah, I just I just wanted to share that with people that you can get some prebiotic fiber in there if you if you can use a French press to make your coffee yeah. in the morning. Good point. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. That's going to take us right to 11 o'clock. So we're going to wrap this up for today. It was a good Monday. Great calls. Great conversation. I appreciate it. We will be back here tomorrow for the power hour. Uh, What do we got going on? Oh, David Counts from Fleet Air Filter is going to join us tomorrow. Um, Wednesday. We have a returning guest, um, Ben Tapper. Ben is a chiropractor. He was on the show a couple years back. Um, I, I kind of screwed up a little bit the last time we had Ben on. Um, I didn't do my homework the way I normally do. I missed a big uh, topic we should have been talking with him about. Um, we're going to touch on that more this time. Uh, I don't know if you followed what the Biden administration came out with something. I think they may have even called it the, I think they called it the disinformation dozen. They, they picked 12 people that were, they claimed were putting out more disinformation than anybody. Dr. Mercola was number one on that list. Um, Ben Tapper was on that list as well. He was one of the people. And turns out like a lot of us, uh, everything that Ben was saying about the vaccine early on was absolutely true. Wasn't disinformation at all. But uh, they they still claim that. So uh, should be an interesting show. That'll be Wednesday on Destination Health. Um, the rest of the week, pretty straightforward. I don't think we have any other guests. And uh, we'll be here all week. So we will see you tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.